Good morning. Welcome along to Tip Today. 1800 938 007. That's our free phone number. It won't cost you to make a call. And Leanne is looking after the programme today. Coming up on the show, a premises has been uh, offered to house beneficiaries of temporary protection in Clonmel. We'll have the latest news from Ross Gray. The village tour is heading to Lisfernan in the lovely Glen of Aherlow. We'll speak to the Gardaí on crime over the past fortnight. Uh, I'll be discussing cancel culture with Leanne and spring has sprung so our gardening slot returns with uh, Ulta Nisbet. And if you have a gardening uh, query, will you log it with us as soon as you possibly can? on 83 for text or WhatsApp. Of course, you can email tiptoday at tipfm.com. Let's have a look at what's making headlines in your newspapers today to the Irish Times, first of all. And they're telling us that rebuilding one of uh, the most dangerous roads in Ireland will take the lion's share of an €800 million Euro, uh, government funding package for cross-border projects, which was unveiled yesterday. Also reading today on the Times that public contracts uh, securing hotel accommodation for refugee and asylum seekers, particularly in rural Ireland, are now a concern for the prospects of Ireland's tourism industry uh, this year. A new state of play research from Falsha, Ireland, the Domestic Tourism Authority, found a lack of availability and related price rises among the issues of concern in the sector. The Irish Examiner, and their main story is the country's uh, local Garda drug units, uh, on average 14% less staff now than they did in 2010, with uh, the Cork City units decimated indeed by 37% in that period, and that's according to official uh, figures. Also reading on the Examiner today that almost 1,000 asylum seekers have been left without any accommodation, with the majority sleeping in tents on the streets. The Irish Independent... And the main story there, a string of telecoms companies are increasing their prices, putting further pressure on household budgets. Air, Vodafone and 3 Ireland are to hike their prices in the next two months. The Irish Daily Mail and uh, their main story, an All-Ireland winning GAA star has been arrested over allegedly carrying out a savage beating on a 12-year-old boy, and that's according to the Irish Daily Mail. The child sustained a broken collarbone and a broken foot, as well as serious bruising around his chest and back areas in the alleged attack, which happened in the west of the country on October 5th of last year. So that's a look at what's making headlines uh, on your newspapers today. If you want to make comment on any of that, we'd be delighted to, uh, to hear from you. Now, many locals have been left uh, upset in the wake of news that Hearns Hotel in Clonmel has been offered up to the beneficiaries of temporary uh, protection. Uh, this confirmation was received from the Department uh, of Children, Equality, Disability, Integration and Youth yesterday uh, to uh, to uh, Matty McGrath. And Matty joins me now. Good morning to you, Matty. Good morning, friend. This is something I know, Matty, you've been flagging for quite some time, but you got official news about this yesterday. Well, since, I suppose, um, mid-January, I've been getting calls and people calling to my office um, about rumours and they were asking this. So I was talking to Minister Joe O'Brien, which I do regularly, the junior minister. But on the 29th of, of, of January, I wrote and asked for uh, confirmation. And I was several emails since and several phone calls and all last weekend ringing the minister. He was abroad and he told me I get information on Monday. 
I got verbal information on Monday, but I wouldn't go on that. I waited until I got the written information. And I put that up on Facebook because there was all kinds of rumours. And remember, the back to this is what happened in Ross Grey, what happened to the D4 Hotel last week in Drogheda, and elsewhere where people got absolutely no notice. We're promised better engagement all the time, as you know, but we haven't been getting it. So now we have an opportunity, I believe, to engage because, as is clear from my statement, this is at a nearly stage while the premises has been offered, uh, you know, for IPAS, uh, as well as different from the Ukrainians. Mm. It's it, it at early stages and the hotel must be assessed. And, assessed. and indeed, I, I, I was, saw a document last Saturday by a, a person who shall be anonymous, like that was a legal document from a firm of solicitors in Kerry uh, doing the legal backdrop for this. So I really then said, this is serious and there is... Uh, moves afoot. So it's an iconic building, as you know, Charles Byron County in the history. So, But the important thing is now that we know in time, and I'm asking for Cam, and you know, some of the comments on Facebook are over the top, and I'm only putting out there because in many cases, public groups have been accused of withholding information. I would never do that. I would endeavour to find out the truth and, and release it when I, when I get it. But when it's factual and when mm. it's in writing, because they change all the time, and the staff in the IPAS section are doing their best. I'm sorry, in the department, integration section are doing their best. But she, like she rang me on Monday night. She was in, the lady I was dealing with calling on the way back down from Drogheda after an ad to stay up there. So they're a small department with little staff, and it's haphazard. And the real problem is, again, that the number of government are just fighting this on communities, on people, on a small department. And look, look, your last, um, your last item on the news there about the drugs. Uh, I, I've raised that about our drugs weren't temporary. They're completely depleted. And that's only one instance across the public service, Gardaí, health services, you name everything else. And then people are expected to 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 put up and shut up. And but anyway, to, to dispel well, the misinformation. Yes, and it is I, important to point out, Matty, is it not that new increased offers of commercial properties to meet the needs of these people coming in, um, they're they're not being sought at this time. So. This this is not going ahead as of now. It's just important to well, point no, out. The, the offer is in there. Yes. Uh, that's in writing. But uh, no, it is in the, pro- in the in, in process. It must be checked out, evaluated at the fire office. Now, it's interesting that the town manager called a meeting, uh, an in-camera meeting yesterday morning for the members, and she told them the same information that I had at uh, mm. the six town members. Now, they have a full meeting today, a public meeting. So, I mean, not a public, but it's a, it's, it, the press can be added. And they'll be told that, and they were also told about, you know, which is something I've been told about as well, modular housing on the HSE lands and the bypass. Again, I have information on that for some time, not information. A person called into my office, and I have to check this out, and it's in, I'm in the process of checking it out, but uh, the council have been notified of both situations, the one in Helms Hotel, as we know it, and uh, the plans are afoot, or the investigations afoot to uh, do some, put something on the, on the HSC lands, on the bypass. By way of modular housing, so that would be similar to what happened in Thurless, I guess, would it? No, my understanding is, well, my information put, put, put out to me was that it was one of the big reception centres, but I haven't, I can't, I can't qualify that because I haven't got the confirmation of it. And, and just to point out again, Matty, um, the department saying it's not anticipated that Heron's Hotel will be examined for use to house um, IPAS people for for the reasons that they outlined there. So, so this, and again, I'm just very conscious that we have clear information here. 
Well, that's what the department are saying, but as I said, it has been offered. Uh, they're evaluating that. I was told that on the phone, and, and I knew well when Minister Brian wasn't coming back to me all last week, and I went across to him a few times in the chamber, and indeed texted him. He has been normally good, so look, I mean, they're telling us we're going to have better information and better engagement. This is an opportunity. It has been offered, so uh, it's up to people now to maybe rationally to, 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 to absorb that and try and uh, deal with it and try and have a committee, unlike what happened in Ross Grey, where there was, it happened overnight, no information, and maybe be able to negotiate with the owners. Now, I visited uh, the hotel on Monday at 4 o'clock looking to meet management, you know, and uh, I met a very nice lady there. She said she was acting as management because um, it had changed ownership. Mm-hmm. I, I was looking for and, number. And it's of, not local ownership anymore, is it? Uh, no, no, and no. I asked again to yeah. talk to the lads because they're good lads and I know them and they good, good service to the town, the O'Keefe brothers, and, and they said the numbers had been changed, they had nothing to do with it anymore. Mm. So I couldn't do I left my numbers couple of numbers with that lady for the new owners if they wanted to, to contact me. Now, they don't have to contact me. You know what I mean? It's their, it's their commercial decision, but when it has an impact and when rumours start and everything else, so you know what I mean? It's a, it's a, it's a town centre site. And the biggest thing about this site is really what, what it is, the hotel and the bear, uh, the nightclub for our young people from all around uh, South Tipperary in Westwater, but uh, use that as a nightclub. And I'm not sure if that's still going to be the case. A licence has been applied for, so look, I don't want to add any, uh, what did I say, uh, more kind of a rumour speculation, but it, the application went in, it's been assessed, uh, the fire officer and the fire will have to assess it and everything else will have to happen. The problem is the government a year ago now or more, uh, or maybe a year, year and a bit, yeah, maybe nearly two years ago now for the Ukrainian uh, situation, lifted the uh, gave a temporary pause on, and you didn't have to get planning for any of these places in order to for the emergency so that leads to its own problems yeah i'm just reading in the in the newspapers today as well that tourism ireland now they're very concerned indeed about the lack of accommodation around the country matty are you hearing much about that from Oh, sure, all over the place. Kerry yeah. Killandy has been, has been like the very yeah. badly affected. And they're normally bustling. I'm in a, a, say, in a hotel in Bray, and there was four hotels. Three of them are no longer available to the public. I met a lovely couple, a lovely family last night. They were up for a funeral, and we say kind Gaelic. So I was, my ear cocked, and I went talking to them. I was a lovely chat to them, Claire and Connemara. And they were staying, some of them in the hotel rice day, but then the others had, there was no room, so they had to go outside of town. As I said, that's happening all over the country. And it, like we're marketing as a tourism destination and spending a fortune for Alter Island and Port Falter, but many of them, the hotels have gone and, and guest houses like look at Ross Grey they only have nine beds now in the mm-hmm. town and like what happened in Ross Grey is still ongoing very sore because no information this was my attempt to ensure that the government would be held to account that they would have engagement and it was like pulling teeth mm-hmm. to get the information now we have the information I'd hope that local people would form some kind of a committee and they would liaise and talk and, and, and have uh, public engagement that's what's needed we're welcoming people here we don't want to scare anybody or frighten anybody off but I'm saying all the time the numbers have to be kept I'm saying that our obligations are not what they are uh, they're telling us this we have obligations to our own people as well and we, we see all the services stretched like We've had dull motion this morning at 10 o'clock dealing with the whole situation with GPs and dentists and the whole uh, lack of services for not only rural but urban as well. And, you know, waiting two and a half weeks 
to get an appointment for a GP. Across the board, you name it, the mental health services yeah. don't and, exist. And would, services. would you just mention to listeners, because I was looking at a copy of that response you got from Helen McEntee as well, where there was a, an admission, and again, it's just clarity around this, that we did opt in where taking in people is concerned. And... This government, like, aren't doing whatever they like as regards they're not listening to the people. I mean, our first application under the Constitution is to look after all our citizens in this country. Now, whether they be newcomers that come here to work here and now are Irish citizens, of course, and I mentioned Father Dale last week was up here saying mass for us and uh, his Irish citizenship is proud as punch and the wonderful work he's doing in the hospital and man, thousands like him. And they're needed, needed badly. So, But with just the situation regarding the, the Dublin airport, and that's only one place. I had the figures there of, 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 of 12,000 that had come in there since 2019 with absolutely no paperwork. And the teacher tried to tell me the doll when he got a box in a corner on it. The figures were from the Minister of Justice who was sitting two seats away from him. And I asked, are the, are the figures not correct? And he said, oh, they were all trafficked. Now, as I said, maybe 10% of them were worse than the horrific if any was traffic, but uh, they weren't all traffic. So we had no, we had lax border, we had no checks. I mean, I had contact from a retired sergeant who's been 10 years down, like, it would have frightened you. But uh, that's only the poor uh, airport, the poor Spellfest, coming down here by road. Because we're seeing soft touch, and now we're trying to close the, the gate and uh, the, the door, when the stable door, when the horse is bolted. So all the um, ambiguous answers we get. When I questioned that with Peter Burke in post-European Council statements, second asked EU Council, and I asked him, did you raise this issue out there? That we're under pressure, we can't take them, and he just stormwalled me. And then I said, under what convention? And I also asked them, is it true that if we do not take them, that we have agreed to pay so much per, per, per uh, migrant? And he didn't answer that, but he said he went back into 1954, I think, UN convention. So they go back to the to, to, to the year of our Lord, if, if, if they have to, 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 to sorry for taking the Lord's name in vain. I mean, it's a shifting sand. There's no clear cut people. And I've asked, why don't they have a plebiscite on this? And ask the people uh, what they want. And I mean, there will be a, a major plebiscite next year at an election, but people have issues. And the whole demonising of people who ask genuine questions or act like I do on behalf of people that contact me. It's my duty as a talk to Dollar and a messenger of the people to bring those messages to the floor of Dolly and, and I do and I make right. no apologies that's my job. So they, 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 they demonise everyone like that then as far right and everything else. And that doesn't help. All right, just before uh, I... Yeah. I, I no, beg your pardon, I'm Matthew. Appealing for, I'm appealing for Cam and people yeah. to reflect on and, and, and that's and very important. And we've just had a statement from Herons Hotel, and it says, Matthew, it's, it's yes. brief enough, it says, contrary to recent uh, rumours, Herons Hotel is open to the public, operating as a hotel, as it has done for many years, will continue to do so, hopefully for many more years to come. The new proprietors are committed to the project of bringing a fresh lease of life to the historic premises at the centre of the town. They're unaware of any applications that have been referenced. All plans are focused on creating a safe place for the entire community to share. Business as usual in Herons Hotel, they welcome everybody with open arms, whether it's for an overnight stay, refreshment or the residence bar and where the nightclub is concerned it says see you at the weekend as usual and you can dance the night away. So does that allay some of your fears? Well, no, because, I mean, there's two conflicting statements. I mean, and I, I'm delighted. I know it's business as usual, and I want to reaffirm that. And I've said that earlier. And people to continue, as usual. But uh, questions are being asked. I mean, uh, as I told you, I got sight of a legal document from Legal's firm and ferry on, on Saturday that, that, that were doing the legal background. The department have confirmed to me in writing 
and you were reading a statement too, I know, in writing, because you can't go on hearsay or telephone call, that there was an application in. So there's at variance, totally at variance with the statement that I got from the department. And I can go, I can only go on that. I can't shoot the messenger. This is the information I've got from the, uh, the communicate uh, for the integration department, the public engagement team. I have her name. I can give it to you. I can talk to her, but I won't give it to her public. Mm. And she phoned me, as I told you, late last Monday night as well. And she was surprised that okay. I didn't have a statement at that stage, but I have it since yesterday, you have it as well. So the two statements are at variance. So look, the truth is very important here. All right. So, Matty, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Good morning to you. 1800-938-007. We'll take a break. Back in just a moment. Tip today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecan, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecan, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. I'm joined now by community activist and Sinn Féin local election candidate, uh, Dean McGrath. Dean, good morning to you. Uh, good morning, and I like how you said that. Compare and local election, and by God, that's, that's a force for me to hear that back. Thanks very much. Very good, but are, are you saying that that's not the case, Dean? It is the case. No, right. It is the case. Just the first time you've announced it. But, uh, there, but thank there, you for there you go. Well, both my esteem, like you know. Well, we're we're happy we're happy to do so. Uh, Dean, what have you been hearing from the people of the area? Now, there's some clarification this morning from Heron's Hotel. Heron's Hotel and yeah, and yeah. Uh, the owner there. And I was reading through what Matty got as well. And it looks like the department so far is certainly not going ahead with this. If it was an option to them, what are you hearing from local people? Are there concerns out there? Well, look, I suppose from our point of view, I just want to echo what you were saying, really. We we obviously heard from local people and there was worries about, you know, is it happening, is it not happening? So for us, it was about going back to the department also and getting some information in relation to, I suppose, what's going on. Um, I, I, I think that, as you as you introduced it there, I think, yes, that there doesn't seem to be anything. Uh, we have also seen a, a, a statement from Horns Hotel, which is, seems to stand in... I suppose a bit of contradiction. Mm. Uh, so, like, I would just say that there is a lot of speculation. I don't actually believe we have a full set of facts either. Um, on the basis that when you have a couple of kind of inconsistencies there, but the department has more or less said that it's not it's not seeking to accommodation. It's doing a review of it. Um, it's doing a review of its portfolio currently yes. in relation to Ukrainian refugees, and they've said that there has been no assessment carried out to the site. There is no examination of the property at the site. Uh, you can't, they can't say whether it would even be suitable at present uh, for anything to proceed. So for, in, for so for all intents and purposes, that doesn't appear to be anything at the moment. Anyway, that we that we that we that people are significantly worried about. I think people were worried about uh, just a general lack of information. Worried about services, particularly is what I've got. I suppose people mm. have are, are are consistently. We were out in the canvas on uh, Saturday in the Thomas Street area, Clonmel, and the amount of people that kind of highlight children's disability services, as you highlighted yourself, that was kind of a, you know, it, 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 there, is, there is definitely an yeah. issue in relation to our public services. So, look, there was a, look, to be honest with you, we, we've, as a, as a party, we've made our inquiries, 
when we have the full information, we'll certainly uh, put it out there. There does not seem to be anything to speculation at the moment, I would think. You know? Right, but I, I know that you're at pains to calm things because I was looking at the reaction on social media last night and it was considerable, to say the least, Dean. Yeah, um, so there was some reaction on social media and I can, and I, I think, I, I suppose, look, I've had an issue with social media. I've gotten some... Uh, you know, sometimes it's not a fair reflection of society either, that mm. there's an awful lot of anger. And I think, you know yourself, you can be looking at comments and this and that, mm. and it can really lead you down a dark road. And I think we just have to sometimes take a step back from that. I think that there are people with concerns. I think there are people with questions. I think that for us, as a party of the working class, me as an activist, I'm up for listening to and having the discussion with people about their views. I want, I want to hear what they're talking about. Mm. I'm not going to, I'm going, I do not want to see hate in our community. I do not want to see, you know, people demonising refugees for the policies of successive governments. I don't want to see people feeling like they're so out of touch with the political system that they feed into some maybe more dangerous types of politics. And they're all things that a vibrant alternative can bring. But it's our duty as working class, uh, working class political parties to be in our communities and listen to communities. And that's what we've been doing. We've been yeah. out on doors now. And, and, and still, I mean, I have it. to say to you, Dean, I, I wonder about Sinn Féin reflecting, certainly what we're hearing here is the, the, there's grave concern about the amount of people coming into the country here. Sinn Féin policy is to not cap this or not even discuss that. So uh, what are you hearing on the doorsteps about that? To, to be honest, the immigration, it, it, we have dealt with housing and health, and I'm not just saying this, as a pat-back answer, because I wouldn't do that to your friend. I have too much respect for you to do that. I haven't gotten it as much. I have gotten it a little bit, and I suppose in the trade union movement as well, I'm obviously quite active in those circles, mm. so I do have some workers that are quite concerned. But again, I, I come back to the point where I work in the health service. Uh, like, I know if it wasn't for migrant workers in my workplace, mm. our workplace wouldn't be able to function. You know what I mean? So yeah, I think. But you the see, pol- politicians are, are making that argument all the time, but that's not the argument at all because these people are coming legally into the country. We're embracing them here because, as you point out, we need them desperately for hospitality and for, for medical work and all of that. But but that's not really what the point is. And so, what, what would you say? Like, the point is we need a fair, effective, and enforced immigration system. Would you yes. agree with me with that? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, so Sinn Fein would, I suppose, the position would be that we are not an open border party. I don't know, like, in terms of that uh, reference, like it's in our 2020 election manifesto, and I think people have actually tried to say and lump us in with Fianna Fáil and Fianna Gael mm, yeah. for, their own, for their own purposes in relation to kind of that issue. I don't think that's fair. I think for us, it's about enforcing the asylum system. It's about giving people the right to make a claim, but also for that claim to be processed in an efficient manner. And I know the government's approach isn't working, for, and I hear it. I hear communities saying that it's a shambles, and we're a pain to try and get information out of the department. I, I haven't seen a concrete plan from the government. I haven't seen any consistency. I don't feel like there's work, they're working with local communities and local services. Okay, I, I, I accept that, okay? I think there's a lot of genuine anxiety within local communities because of how these issues are answered are handled because of that. I think it was a mistake that we were kind of, were taking a situation where people felt so totally disinformed and alienated from the political process that they didn't believe a bloody word politicians said. And that didn't happen with the immigration issue. This goes back to political equity, I think, for 20 years because they feel like politics isn't delivering for them. But let's go even further than that, right? 
my whole thing and uh, you said you're an old hippie, right? Mm. I wouldn't I wouldn't call you old, right? I wouldn't say that, right? <laughs> Ireland can and must play a stronger role on the international stage in tackling the root causes of migration, like war. Mm. How strong have Ireland been in calling for peace? How can we expect people not to flee war and persecution? And believe me, in my work, I deal with enough people that have come from horrendous situations in Syria, in Afghanistan, in Libya, what is the common denominator? War, Western intervention, and even in Ukraine, where are the calls for peace? How far along are we, France? Mm. Well, I, I, that, I'm always on know? about that. I hear so little talk about peace, and I know something that's very close to your heart is Gaza. And I mean, yeah. look at what's happening there. And again, the Americans over the last 24 hours failing, failing miserably on this. M- miserably. For, and look, my whole thing, and I understand, I do not want and this is this is another trope. Sinn Féin want to fill Ireland up with Palestinian people. I love Palestinian people. I absolutely love having them in our community. The Gazan people do not want to be refugees. They want to live in peace in their own country, in, a, in an official state of Palestine. And to see the level of displacement we're seeing, I'm so worried at this point that we are going to see a mass exodus of the Gazan people because of what's happening. But again, it goes back to us tackling the root cause of it, Fran. And if we talk about it, what Ireland's place is, I feel like the dilution of our neutrality, like those consultative forums or whatever we were talking about, Where I think we have to be a voice for peace. I think we have to be a voice for dialogue. And I absolutely think that if we're going to But in, in fairness, do you not have to commend... Uh, Leo Radcar and Michal Martin, indeed, because, you know, maybe along with Spain, but there's very few other voices of uh, the European Union speaking up as as they spoke up about what's happening. Yeah, like, and, and again, this isn't me patting back and saying, like, I, I want them to go further, but of course I would say that. I actually think uh, Michal Martin's statement on uh, the impending invasion of Rafa was a really, really strong statement. And I appreciate what, in terms of how the Irish diplomatic circles are dealing with this. And I think we need to go further. I think we need to join with the ICC case. I think that we need to talk about all the causes of migration. And I think peace mm. has to be at the centre of our conflict. And I, I just yeah. feel that that gets lost in the debate because we're talking about refugees coming into unity. We need to talk about why they are being refugees. You, I, I'm sure you remember the Iraq War sure. and the massive displacement of people, Western intervention, the Afghanistan War, massive displacement of people. We're having, we're seeing people in Libya, mm. massive displacement of people, and we're seeing this all over the world. So when are our politi- political leaders? We're dealing with it, but when are we going to call out that intervention in this way and that peace is so much better than war? I just it. That pains me when I see that stuff. I'm mm-hmm. sure it pains you when uh, you're watching that UN veto. Uh, well, well, that, that, that's you know? for sure. I couldn't believe it again. I think it was the third third veto, as far as I know. Um, before I let you go, can I just ask you as well, because it's making headlines all over the place uh, today, Sinn Féin would rerun the two upcoming referendums should they fail. Now, sure. do you know, I mean, is that not sort of a, a fingers up to democracy? Do, do you fingers up to democracy. Yeah, that's an interesting question. Um, I don't think so, right? Because I think that these referendums, and look, I, I, I'm going to say it, I'm going to be voting yes, yes. I am certainly not happy 
I think you talked to Richie Malloy from Family Carers yeah. about it as well, which was quite good. And actually, I think you had a solicitor on I yesterday. Did, yeah. I can't remember his name. He was actually really John, good as well. John Lynch, yeah. He was just yes, explaining he was very the whole good. thing. Yeah. He was very good. So, look, I, I, I think when I when I listened to that, I felt more comfortable with it. And I, I do have some questions about the wording. I don't think the wording was right in the carers one. I think it's better than what's in the Constitution. So, on that basis, I'll be voting yes. What I would be worried about is that there would be kind of voter apathy and we could see a really low turnout at these referendums. I think in terms of removing, um, I suppose, some language around the women in the home, I, I think, look, I'd be voting yes, but at the carers one, I would have liked to seen the wording trashed out a little bit. Mm. I don't think, I think we said as much, uh, I think Mary Lou came out with a statement and said as much, I'll still be voting yes. Yeah. But but um, the rerunning of it, if it's a no vote, what what, what, what about that? Yeah, I I, th- I think really it, it depends on the question, I suppose. Um, like, if it's not explained properly to people, and I think that's a big issue, right? Mm. And also, I think the wording is slightly ambiguous and it's open to interpretation, in, and mm. it's a bit broad. Now, I, I'm still comfortable enough because I've listened to I've listened to my own kind of pad alien is justice person for, and he explained it as well. Mm. But I think there needs to be more information. So the idea of rerunning referendums, I suppose, look like. Essentially, if it's a recommendation and it's a good thing, I, I think that we we should always leave ourselves open with the option to change our minds on something. Yeah, but even I though the last time we did that, we're still being lampooned for it. You know, I, I, we, I, we'll, keep it we'll keep putting it back. We'll keep putting. Of course, I am, but we'll keep putting it back to the people um, until until they get it right. Until we get the right yeah, answer, you know, which I, is yeah, <laughs> okay. And I certainly don't want that to All be right. the, that that wouldn't be our way. But, All uh, right, but in uh, but just to finish, you want to calm things where Clan Mill is concerned. This is not going ahead where yeah. where Hearns Hotel is concerned at this I, time. I, I would like people to calm, and certainly I would also think, and it's just that, and this this is the forefront of my mind that there's people going to work there, that there's yes. staff there. Yeah. Good point. And that yeah. those people those people are actually really important. Those people are providing the service to the town of Clonmel, and I think we have to be really fair to them. And I would also hate to see a situation. And the first thing, and it isn't at awful, right? The first thing when I heard the rumours, I had to, I contacted the guards because I was terrified that we could see one of these arson incidents. And yes, I don't think yeah. that, that I'm not saying that I put that onto anybody in Clonmel, absolutely not at all. But when I saw what happened, uh, Sean Crow, RTD, was involved in the burning of that nursing home in Dublin, St. Bridget's mm. Nursing Home, which is HC property, it terrified me. Um, and it's awful that I felt like I had to do that, but I did. But I think we just need to be really fair to the staff, fair to yes. the community. And if people do have questions, we're open to it. Our office is open to it. We're here to engage with communities. We're All not right. here to stonewall communities. All right, Dean, good to talk to you. And thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Good, Great to talk to you, friend. Good morning to you, community Bye-bye. activist and uh, Sinn Féin local election candidate, uh, Dean McGrath there. All right, we'll take a break. Back uh, with uh, news from Ross Gray in just a moment. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call Tip Today on 1-800-938-007. Now, we've covered the ongoing unrest in Ross Grey over the past uh, few weeks. Yesterday, we spoke to Gillian Dunn regarding the demonstration held outside of the Garda station um, to highlight how unsafe that women, some women, are feeling in the area following, I suppose, on from that alleged incident involving a woman and her children over the weekend. Ross Grey man uh, Justin was in attendance and joins me now. Good morning to you, Justin. 
Good morning, Stan, and good morning to your listeners. And and uh, thanks for taking our it's, call this morning. It's been morning. a while, friend. It's been a while, but it's lovely to talk to you, Justin. You you, too, you were in attendance, I know, at the uh, protest. Wh- where from there do you know are the the particularly the women of Roscrae going now, Justin? Um. I'm I'm not too sure, Fran, to be honest. Um, as The protest, Fran, was organised kind of by the women, you know. Uh, mm. And very quickly, Fran, wasn't it? It happened yeah. very quickly, yes. Yeah, listen, Fran, yeah, I think it was uh, decided at three or four o'clock in the afternoon that we're going to have a protest, and well, by seven it was up and going, you know. Yes. Um, so to answer that question, Fran, I can't answer that question directly, Fran. I, I don't have the answer, to be honest with you. Where, what their, what their intentions are going forward or whatever, I'm actually not 100% sure. Mm, okay. And, and can you talk to me about the mood of that demonstration and what you witnessed? Um, okay, friend. Well, sure, look, I don't know. There may have been 150 or 200 people, whatever. There was That's a rough estimate, friend, mm. of whatever was on the street. There was women. They blocked the main street, friend. Um, yeah, they didn't allow traffic by. Uh, there was guards floating around in jeeps and vans and whatever. Uh, the mood was okay, friend. People weren't, um, you know, there was, no, uh, there was no violence or anything of the type. People were just, yeah, congregated, friend, with... Um, one concern, friend, you know. Mm. And, and that concern is what? Their their own safety, is that? Yeah, well, listen, friend, uh, I'm on and off the radio with you, friend, for, I don't know, two years or so, yes. I suppose, yeah. up and down, okay, talking about these things, saying that there's uh, issues within Ross Grey, that women, and this, uh, this is not just about women either, friend, so, so yes, friend, women are concerned uh, and, and are concerned, but uh, there's middle-aged men, friend, in, in, in this town, afraid to... Uh, Afraid to walk to town, Fran, or, or walk home from town on a Saturday night, you know, after maybe having a few sociable drinks. And this is what's going on, like, so it's not just women, Fran. There's older people are afraid, Fran, to walk to town to do their bits and shopping and stuff. And, yeah, it's, it's, it's not good enough, Fran, you know. And the- we've been told there's no issues and you have no reason to be afraid or anything else. But there's a girl in Ross Grey this morning, Fran, who... Has, does have a, a, a reason to be afraid, friend, you know. This guy... And, and you know that I, I can't talk about that because that's under investigation and will end up before the court. So I, I, I have to stay away from that, Justin, if you don't yeah. mind. But just the general... When you speak about people being afraid to walk home from the pub and you're talking about men and women, what exactly are they afraid of? How how are they being intimidated? They're being intimidated. Well, okay, friend. So there's, there's loads of incidents, friend in Ross Grey within the last couple of months that um, uh, seem to are, they're not being reported apparently or if they are being reported they're not being moved on okay so so off the top of my head Fran I could give you five, six, seven, eight maybe incidents where people have been mugged on the street where people have been approached in their cars where people have been uh, approached on the street and, and yeah, so this stuff is not, not happening, Fran. It is happening. We're just being told it's not happening and we're to stay quiet about it, basically. You know? Yeah, and, uh, I mean, the kind of intimidation that you're you're talking about, is it possible that it's just, you know, groupings of particularly young men, I suppose, who have no, nothing else to do, nowhere to go? Is it, And just by the nature of a grouping of young lads, any group of young lads, it can be no. intimidating to us. Well, is well, is that, I, I, or I, is it more serious than that? It's, it's more serious than that, Fran, I think. A grouping of young lads, Fran, whether they be uh, uh, Irish or not, is, is one thing, you know. I, I don't think any uh, 
there's not too many women in Ross Grafran feel intimidated by a group of 16 or 17 year old chaps standing on the street having a talk or a chat or whatever it is they may be doing. What they are intimidated by, Fran, is a group of four or five guys on the street who aren't from Ross Gray or anywhere near at Ross Gray. And, well, they're intimidating people, Fran. They're looking girls and women up and down. They're, 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 they're making suggestions. Um, yes. And, and they're making people uncomfortable, Fran, in, in their own town, you know? So there's... Uh, there's a few cases, Fran, in particular. So last year, sometime last year, Fran, we had an incident where an 18, 19-year-old girl was approached on the street. Her bag was taken from her, her phone, her money, this kind of crack. We have a man here, Fran, in town, a man with uh, some uh, disabilities. Uh, a couple of weeks back, he was mugged on the way home from uh, from a public house on a Saturday night. We have another man only last week, Fran, who was followed all around the town in a car, a man in his 60s, I suppose. He was walking, Fran, and these guys were following him in a car, intimidating him. For what reason, we don't know. Uh, uh, but they were following him and intimidating him and, and making some suggestions to him. The following morning, Fran, at 7 or 8 o'clock, I found this man walking the town with a four-foot uh, four stick in his hand, Fran, because, well, the man is entitled to go for his walk, but he was afraid, you know? And listen, Fran, I, I, it doesn't matter, you know, there's loads of talk. If, if, if somebody is afraid to walk down the town, Fran, in their own town and not feel safe, well, then something is amiss. And why why do you think, you, you speak about this not being reported, Justin. Why do you think it's not being reported? Uh, well, okay so, okay, so some incidents, Fran, I'm sure uh, are being reported. But, um, uh, so whether they are or they aren't, Fran, I think, the, I think the trouble here is when they are being reported, Fran, they're not being acted on, you know? They're not being acted on by Angara Siakana or those in charge. Well, I'm, I'm sure they would deny that, but there's no doubt, and, and this is a big issue as well, that resources well, you, where you the Gardaí are, have been deny, depleted in Ross Grey. They, they would deny that, Fran, but they'd also deny that there's an issue in the first place, Fran, you know, while, while there is an issue. Right, but but there is a problem with resources in the town, as you know better than I do, Justin, I mean, Our, you know. Yes, Fran, but that's, yeah. that's nothing new, Fran. Our, our town is, uh, we have a problem with resources in our town for, for 20 or 25 odd years, Fran, from consecutive governments who, who've left us on the long finger and, and, and haven't done anything to improve the town. Jobs have, over 20 or 25 years, Fran, dwindled out of town. And, yeah, there's lots, Fran. That conversation yeah. could be had all day. But, but and, yes. And can, uh, before I let you go, can I ask you, because you and I haven't spoken since since um, the, the, the latest, I suppose, Racket Hall um, uh, events have taken place, but the, the portrayal of Ross Gray in national media and the like, yeah. Justin. What can I have a comment from you about that? Well, I think the portrayal, Fran, at the beginning of uh, the, uh, what happened in the Racket Hall was uh, okay. So people saw what they saw online or whatever, and they made judgment. However, I don't think it took too long for people to realise that what had been portrayed by the mainstream media wasn't actually what the case, wasn't the case. You know, uh, we'd been portrayed as uh, racist. And we were we were uh, we were even called thugs by some of our elected representatives, Fran. You know, but uh, thugs were not, Fran. Racists were not. We even people integrating into our town for 25 years from all over Eastern Europe. These guys have come and stood on protest with us, Fran, because they can see that this is not about race, religion, colour, or creed, or where you're from, or what God you believe in. This is about our government making bad policies with bad policies dumping, using our town, Fran, as a dumping ground. So I'm not sure of the number, Fran, of international protection applicants in the county of Tipperary. However, I'm sure that 
I am sure that there's 85% of them located in Ross Grey, in an already deprived town. In my opinion, actually, probably one of the most deprived in the county. All right, Justin. Well, okay, thank- can I just can I just make a point or two before I go, Fran? Yes. Uh, you had a Sinn Féin man on the radio uh, before I came on D- the radio. Dean McGrath. Okay? Yes, I did yes, indeed. Yes. You asked him what what answer is he getting when he's knocking doors? Mm. He's not getting answers, Fran, because they're not knocking doors. They're throwing leaflets through doors, Fran, and getting out of there as quick as they can. He also made a point, Fran, that we the health system in this country wouldn't run without migrant workers. Mm. In my opinion, Fran, the reason we need migrant workers in this country to come in and run our health system is because Irish uh, uh, Irish people are going through the education system, going through third-level college, coming out the other side. They can't afford to live here, again, because of bad government policy, and they're fleeing to Australia for a better life. That's why we need migration into the country, Fran, right. to run our uh, health system. And, and, and just to say, in, in defence of Dean McGrath, he's a decent fellow. If he tells me he's knocking I, on I doors, no I... I would take I would take his word on Fran, that. I know, you know many members of Sinn Féin who yeah. are decent people yeah. and decent fellas, Fran, but uh, uh, they're, they're being told by a top brass fan what they can and can't do and what they can and can't say. Or some members of Sinn Féin and Ross Gray were told they weren't allowed to attend a protest. Mm. They, they didn't attend the protest because they weren't allowed, basically. Uh, well, well, in fairness, no, Martin Brown did speak at the protest and yeah, uh, Brendan O'Crohor no, no, spoke at the... And spoke on the main street, friend. Yeah. That, that protest that day or that meeting that day wasn't organised by the people who had organised the protest in the racket hall. Right. It was organised by outsiders. Yeah, but, but just in fair, for, for no, fairness, no, no, Justin, no, no, and I know you'd appreciate fairness as well. They to come and stand in front of the people who have put yes. them in their place. Okay. Okay. But they'll get their answer the next time around, friend. All right, Justin, thanks for your time this morning. Thank you. Thanks, and, uh, and bye-bye to you now. That's uh, Justin uh, Phelan uh, speaking to us uh, there. Now, winter is not over, I believe, for the Premier County, and uh, let's find out what the story is weather-wise over the next while, because I'm glad to be joined now by Cahill Nolan from Ireland's Weather Channel. Cahill, good morning to you. Good morning, Cahill. A very good morning, friend. And uh, good to talk to you uh, today. It's been exceptionally mild for the last while, but I believe things are uh, changing, so to speak, Carl. Well, they are changing, certainly, over the course of the remainder of today, I suppose. We will start to see colder air pushing in from the west. Now, this will bring with it change in temperatures, a drop in temperatures, back towards more near-normal values, between about 5 to 8 degrees Celsius for tomorrow, Thursday, and again on Friday. But with that, we will see some heavy showers at times. And these showers, they will bring a wintry mix. I see we've we've lost Carl there. Carl, I just lost you there for, for a moment. You were saying that uh, we'll be experiencing a wintry mix. We certainly will. So the yes. showers will fall predominantly as rain and sleet, but over higher grounds, so above about 200 metres, into parts of the silver mines, for example, and into the Galtys. Okay, there you go. We we seem to be uh, losing uh, Cahill there. So look, um, we'll we'll try and get back to him at some other point in uh, the program. But uh, for now, we'll leave the. But it does look like we're going to experience some uh, wintry weather over the next while. I think there's talk about uh, sleet and snow in certain areas of uh, the country as well. Now, after listening to our discussion with uh, Philip yesterday regarding uh, whether or not people should pay their TV licenses in the wake of the uh, exit package scandal that's been happening in RTE, many people got in touch uh, with us. And uh, Pat joins me now. Good morning to you, Pat. Morning, friend. And thanks very much indeed for coming on with us once again, Pat. What What are you making of what you've been hearing over the past while? 
Now, basically, RT has financial problems over the years, and RT have gone in there each time and have uh, put together uh, store, uh, concerns they have, and funding was given. Now, when Kevin Barkas was appointed, I said to myself, and every time somebody is appointed, I question what has this person to offer and how is he going to improve uh, the matters and even the financial side of RT. But when I saw the package that he was given to Ryan Tuberty uh, before Brian opened his mouth, I said to myself, things are going to be the same uh, thing. They're not acknowledging they have financial concerns within the organisation. And Kevin is in there to basically smooth over things. Everything stays as normal. Everyone pays their uh, licence fee and uh, taxes from the people are going to fund this organisation that's top-heavy. So any remarks I'm making this morning is in relation to these high salaries paid. Okay. Mm. Uh, What I have concerned about is... With the financial problems within RT, unfortunately over the years, the staff at the lower end, uh, even uh, uh, staff that were uh, people that were brought in from agencies and different things, they were all uh, basically uh, curtailed by these top-heavy people within RT and told you have to work for X amount and the whole lot. So at at the bottom, uh, things were being addressed as a, 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 an organisation that had financial concerns. But unfortunately, at the top, and this remains the same, and it's not changing, and this is what's really upsetting people, is uh, Kevin Barkas is there to basically, uh, everything is rosy now. We we need to come to, uh, you still all have big salaries, and, and even any going out now will actually... To, to basically, the reason Kevin was brought in there day one, I believe, now, and this is only my own belief, is that Kevin knew what was going on within the organisation. And some of the stuff that's coming out in the media now, Kevin was aware of. So what we do is we bring in somebody that's aware of all the stuff that's going on within RT. We don't want to bring in somebody from outside that will actually stir the pot and we'll keep all this stuff uh, uh, away from the public. They don't really need to know about it. It's going to, RT is going to be mm. still top-heavy. People are going to still have to pay their licence. Right. And wh- wh- when, when you say we'll bring in uh, Kevin Backhurst because he has knowledge, because, of course, he worked in RTE previously, who, who's the we? Are, are you talking about I'm the government? I'm talking about the board that they ref- uh, they're referred to that they don't want to change. This board of RT that they say yes. still uh, loaded the members, they're the people that made the decision that we still have this gravy bowl mm. and we'll still start dashing it out. And, and, and Pat, can I put something to you because I love your opinion on this. When I read between the lines of some of the decisions that Kevin Backhurst has made by giving these golden handshakes, what I'm gathering is that he wants to clear out some people and what he's doing is that rather than ending up in some sort of a legal wrangle which could cost millions, he's making a decision to give a couple of hundred grand and the people walk. Now, I don't want to mention names in particular, but you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, but without mentioning names, there's one of the people, and he was, say, he was stating that if they went in, up into in uh, the public, or uh, the, the uh, board, uh, you know, that for uh, being let go, that yes. it, it would cost them more. Yes. Now, anybody looking at that, would know that that person's performance he would never hope or win the case and uh, he should be and unfortunately and this is the case right across a lot of the uh, public sector 
is it's impossible to be sacked out of, of these jobs because what they have, and this is why Kevin was brought in, they have baggage within that organisation. And what we'll do now is we'll put together this clause that you go out, you don't open your mouth about whatever is going on here in RT because the public really don't need to know about it. And what we're actually going to do is we're going to give you a handsome lump sum there and, um, and to cut your mouth. And that's basically the way it's coming across to the general public. And this is what's really upsetting people. Now... From my own thing from the committees, they seem to be asking the questions. But as I said to you before, it's something like the doll. It's kind of role playing that we might we wanted to look to the public that we're actually asking the questions, but we really we know the answers and we know right. what's going on in our. And team. Pat, how but do you well, feel about the future funding? Well, well, first of all, let me ask you: Do you accept that they are the bastion of public service broadcasting? Because that's what's I, put out there all the time. I don't, because as I said, there is concerns, but unfortunately, uh, RT, the reason it's uh, loss-making and whatever is the way it was run. The content of the people running RT, we need to start to look at this, and this is again at the top, but that board... And needs to look at and needs to make RT. Uh, it's like any, it's like your own station. If you have problems there on funding, you start to address it. And the way you address it is at the top. But unfortunately, RT are leaving the top alone and they have all these clauses and whatever. And we'll deal with it at the lower end. Yeah, well, essentially, there's two boards, which in itself is a, is, a, is a bit crazy for me. Um, future funding before I let you go, Pat. I mean, how do you see that uh, working out? You know, the Sinn Féin is of the opinion that it should be funded from the coffers, uh, in other words, the taxpayer, and uh, that the licence fee should be abolished. So your thoughts on that? Well, I think the funding, it should be divided into the commercial side of it, and that's where a lot of the funding should come. Um, therefore, this is a commercial entity, and as regards the other side of it, um, maybe some of it coming from the exchequer. But as I said, the massive amount of it, um, and again, it shouldn't be affecting programme. What I'm talking about is, uh, say, the likes of Fair City and all them that people enjoy. That should be all commercially funded uh, and whatever. And they need to look at they need to look at this as a serious business. But unfortunately, this was looked at as a business that we get funding, and uh, no matter how bad it is, and no matter what the quality of the stuff is. And again, the news thing and people on your programme often say it: the news is not. It's very selective, uh, and uh, it needs to be addressed. Mm. Uh, so there is an awful lot of problems within RT, um, and I think it should be looked on the same as Virgin Media should be looked on a, as a, a, a company that we need to start to, to see to make profit. But Kevin is not coming across in my books as the man. I think he was mm. brought in there, my own opinion, to do to just. Uh, steady the ship oh, but yeah. everything remains as so I must leave it there Pat but thanks for your contribution as always and good to talk to you today um, news and information is coming up Tip today with Fran Curry with Slattery's Garage Puck On you can't beat experience with over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans we like to call ourselves the experts call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie 
today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Well, let's go back to our Ali. Ali, where are you? Yeah, good morning, Fran. I'm here in Lisfernan in the Glen of Aherlow this morning for the latest stop on our village tour. And it's a place we've been to pretty regularly regularly before for our walks and talk series and Janji of course we're no stranger to this area. <laughs> no indeed we are not it's, I suppose we're in one of my favourite places in Tipperary it's wonderful now it doesn't look like it on a morning like this but what a wonderful place I mean if you've got the hidden Ireland it really is here and what I love about going out here too is going around and we have all the communities around around the area. I mean, the strength of the community in the places like Upper Church and Lockmore and Port Row and the places we have been to is absolutely fantastic. So um, it's great to be here in the Glen and again there's a very strong sense of community here and my first introduction to the Glen was a poem by Kickham and it was, a, you know, about Patrick Sheehan, my, my age 34 Tipperary is my native place, not far from Aherlow. But it's a strong I think sense of identity that's down here and of course this was then and I think we dealt with this, Alison. This was the place, of course, during the Civil War where, you know, uh, was a kind of in the, firstly during the War of Independence and then during the Civil War, it's very much a Republican hotbed. And I suppose that, I'd say, is a kind of intended as a compliment very much uh, to the people here. And, of course, it was here that Denny Lacey, who wouldn't be too, from too far away, firstly that he had an ambush at Lisnagall that killed four RIC. And, you know, probably Denny Lacey isn't a man that has the, the profile like Dan Breen or that kind of thing. But at the same time, I think he is one of the hidden heroes. And then, of course, he was killed here in the Glen as well as that. And then, of course, Dan Breen, who seems to have had about nine lives, and I think you all know about that here, he had a miraculous escape as well when he got out the front door and Jerry Kiley, Captain Jerry Kiley, went out the back door during the Civil War and he died and Dan Breen survived. So it really is a wonderful place. And, of course, the thing I would have to say then is a great sense of community. I love the Irish language, no doubt about it. And this is the place that firstly promotes the Irish language and then about 10 years ago they were the area that won they won the award for the best community for promoting the Irish language so I mean it's full of us all around as you'd say there Absolutely. and a huge area for tourism as well and continues to be so we have the tourism people here, here yes it is and I think there's a huge benefit as well because I know Adam Leahy is here but they have one benefit over all the other places I think and that is that they have a hotel right here at the heart and I was in fact up here for the walking festival and went with Jimmy Barry on one of the walks as well and that's something fan fantastic to, uh, to have there as well but then there's all the infrastructure there's the self-catering accommodation there's the lovely coffee shop which Bridget has up yeah. there which I had my coffee as well up there so it is but I do think though the problem with developing these places is the will isn't there I think generally in government the costs are becoming extremely high arbitrary decisions are made to push up costs and really uh, I mean these costs are you know and it's people who have no skin in the game who make those kind of things and it's the people here then who have to try and make it work on the ground but I think this has it has done a lot but I think there is huge potential here but we need to get in behind them. And let's dive into some of those uh, fantastic businesses now, particularly when it comes to tourism. Ailey Shivery, how are you? Come on over here. You're Cordary Farm. Tell us about Cordary Farm. Yeah, so Cordary Farm is um, a self-catering 300-year-old uh, single-story farmhouse set on 
um, a working beef farm, so there's 150 acres that our guests can explore. And I suppose the whole setting is a real experience for uh, our guests coming in because it's set down a, a boreen or a laneway, so it's the old grass down the centre of the road and fantastic views on the way in. And then when they arrive into us, um, they have the old farmhouse. And as well as that, we've lots of facilities. Um, we have two games rooms within the courtyard and we have um, a garden and then a separate barbecue area where there's, you know, gas barbecue and pizza, wood-fired pizza oven and beautiful fairy lights. And then in the old Haggart, which was alongside the, the farmhouse, um, we have that met into a beautiful winding path down through it and there's a viewing area and then at the bottom of that there's um, a fire pit. Yeah. So I suppose as well as the animals and the accommodation then we have the unusual, um, I suppose, facility of having the dolmens on our farm. So we've recently opened up a second dolmen and um, we work with uh, Arla Tourism with the loop walks through us mm. and Ballyhara for the Ballyhara Way comes through the centre of our farm. Um, this second dolmen that's coming into, into being again, into life again. So we have um, archaeologists are coming to assess it and then they'll write out a plan for us and how we bring it back to life and how we... That's very away. exciting. It is. It's very unusual because there's no real other accommodation, I think, yeah, really in Ireland that, that level has of history that, there, yeah. with that level of history. And did you do, I mean, since COVID, did you do, I mean, there's a move towards self-catering. Did, did, did that benefit you, we'll say? Or was it a disadvantage, really? Um, I suppose we kind of opened up in, so we're there for three years now. We opened in 2021, so we opened just coming out of COVID. Um, so that kind of time gave us, gave us a bit of breathing space to renovate the cottage. It's very much kept to the traditional style. We, we, we did it up, but we kept, you still have the sloping floors and sloping walls. And that's what people love is the history and the heritage of the area. And I think, um, it's the whole experience people get when they come in. It's not just a building. It's not just a stay. Um, they've all the rest of you know the animals and all the rest of the facilities, and then the unusualness of yeah. the dolmens. And it also featured in a short film there recently. Tell me about that. Yeah, yeah. So that was really good. Uh, I just out of the blue got a phone call one day um, from Pete Moles from Outpost Productions asking would we be interested in facilitating a film. So I didn't really know what that was about. Um, but they came and they looked at the farm. And like any of these things, it's kind of a long process. So yeah. they came back with their production company and with the cameraman to see if it was suitable. And uh, they needed lots of different areas. So we suited, we suited them, the scenery. And then because we have our own hill and our own forestry and the river runs through. So we had lots of different places and lots of different areas for them to take uh, to film on. Yeah. Um, so there's about 40 plus um, production team there. And we got loads of compliments. They all said it was absolutely beautiful. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was made for the film festivals, for the international film festivals. Um, it has done very well. It has won loads of awards. And it was shown on RT there just before Christmas. And it, open up, it opens up a global market for you then in terms of tourism, doesn't it? It does. Um, a, a huge percentage of our guests are Americans. Yeah. So that's really good for the area because yeah. they get out and about and they spend locally. They see all the local attractions. But they'll do their shopping locally and they'll do, uh, they'll go out to eat to the local restaurant. So, you know, it's helping everybody. And just tell us about the Steak Award as well that you won recently. I was glad to hear uh, about Yeah, that. so we won the best filled steak in the world. Which That's was, incredible. Yeah, that was, that was a big honour because there's, uh, I think it's the 28 countries that are involved and there's 31 different breeds 
that are tested, and, and it's blind testing, so you've international judges that are from the UK, Europe and Australia, and uh, they involve, uh, oh, the judges are, um, you know, food scientists yeah. and chefs and people within the trade. So it was really nice. So as they said, their quote from them was, um, pitch a perfect fillet with all the flavour to back it up. Ah, fantastic. Well done. Bula Bus for that, I think. The best steak in the world can be found here in Arhalo. Um, we're going to Arhalo House now. Adam Leahy, how are you? Come on over. Don't be frightened. I'm Come not, on I'm over not, here. <laughs> how are you doing? Great, great. Of course, Arhalo House, and John was saying it as well. I mean, it's very unique to have such a, a popular and such a big hotel essentially in the middle of nowhere, isn't it? And for it to still be going and still be successful. Yeah, it's in a unique location, great location with the Galtys at the backdrop. Uh, very famous, very popular for weddings, um, the walking festival every January, yeah. huge success uh, and we have a good daily trade um, with the locals and, and other, other people as well, especially on the weekend, you know, mm. so we do good food up there as well. So it's great to be part of this area, especially from myself, I'm from Tipperary Town, so it's only a stone throw away. So yeah. There are unique challenges though, I'd say, when you go into the shoulder season, isn't that right, and the off season, in other words, that we'll say in Dublin, you have an all year round mm. business, you don't here, so you need other events and that kind of, of thing in a destination to bring people in, isn't that right? And you are open all year round, aren't you? But we're open all year round, we, we go into short term from November to March, so we close Mondays and Tuesdays, um, so we're open Wednesday to Sunday, but we, we do great uh, trade on the weekend, you know, we do communions, confirmations this time of year, uh, christenings, uh, anniversaries, birthday parties, so we do, do we do a range of things, so kind of all those things are great for us, so, but yeah, you're right, uh, this time of year is difficult, but you just have to get through this time yeah. of year and then come into March, April, then we're... Yeah. And how is the Hold season on. looking ahead, because there's been a lot of gloomy reports, you'll have your first bookings coming in now, how is it looking ahead, are you, are you optimistic for the coming season? Oh yes, uh, very optimistic. I mean, we have uh, a lot of weddings on the books this year. Uh, next year seems to be growing even further, but let alone this year we have uh, a huge amount of um, communions, confirmations, Easter's looking strong, and, and the summer is every year is consistent. So yeah. um, we, we have no worries about uh, that at the moment. But yeah, look, the trade is in a bit of a tough period at the minute with all the increases uh, infl in inflation uh, and the whole lot but look yeah. you, you can only do what you can do and the huge local support of course you have yeah. as well will, will help that oh it's great it's yeah. great we have massive local support and sure without yeah. that you I know. went in there one Sunday and I couldn't get a seat, so that, uh, bad news for me, but pull a bus for yeah, you. Yeah, you know? no, no, Sundays are um, great, Sundays are great, yeah, and they're consistent, so, yeah. yeah. Well done, and, yeah, and continued you. success to you yeah. and everyone in Arlo House. Thanks a million, that's Adam Leahy, thanks a million. Uh, Bridget Ryan then, Bridget, you have, um, I think you're living my dream at the moment, tell me about Reen Coffee. I suppose we, we like to consider re kind of the seasoning on the plate, which is Arlo tourism. We're a very small part um, of what goes on here, but uh, we feel that in the last two or three years, we've kind of really added to the uh, tourism scene here. So what we are is we're a, um, a coffee box. Um, we're a convertible coffee box, a remote coffee box, and we move um, to different events. But our, our yeah. key, uh, key space is Christ the King. Um, and we're there every Saturday and Sunday over from, like, from now until the end of the season. And when did you set up? Uh, we set up just at the end of COVID. We were still kind of in that lockdown era, era and it was 
phenomenal. I mean, we had, I would honestly say, we had thousands of people above there on a Sunday because at the time, bars and restaurants were still in restricted hours. So it was just, it became a meeting place during that time for people just to hang out. I mean, I think we had a Sunday that was so busy that the guards had to come up and kind wow. of look after traffic yeah. because people, um, there's a huge growth in kind of coffee. It's, it's become it's, a commodity. It, it's kind of replaced yeah. how we would have drank kind Absolutely. of before and celebrated. I mean, let's be honest, you know, Nobody likes sipping more than the Irish. And now we've just converted that from our pub trends over to coffee trends. Yeah. And I mean, coffee shops, the whole coffee industry is probably one of the, the largest growing yeah. industries in the world at the moment. Bridget, you got me, as they say, out of a house one time. I was leading a group. We were coming over from Banshee. It was the most awful day and it was waiting for everything else. And I promised them all coffee onto Adam in the hotel. And gee, because then they were all faltering, you know. And the next thing is, next thing like manna from heaven, we came out there and there's a, a, a coffee, everything waiting. I said, look, I have it all arranged for you. Obviously, I knew all the time you were there. So the coffee was absolutely uh, wonderful. And of course, the great thing about you is you're able to keep your costs fairly low. Isn't yes, that right? Yeah. They're not like Adam, you know. No, you, no, you, no. We, 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 listen, we, we have been hit with things like 20 cent, um, you know, uh, environmental taxes on, on a coffee cup. And, mm. you know, when you're buying coffee cups in, in thousands, mm. that extra, that 20 cent does feel, and, you know, the price of coffee. And we, we have to source ethically, which means that all of our coffee comes from somewhere where it isn't a small child that's picking the coffee bean, but it's ethically sourced, the farmers are paid well, all of our, our baked goods are sourced locally and all of our staff are hired within a two, three mile vicinity. So we we see ourselves as more than just a tourist, we're giving back into the community as well and making sure. So we've got like three local girls now who are trained baristas, they're in college and they're ready to, if they want to do J1s or they, and we've sent them like for actually professional baristas training even though we're a small coffee van and we keep on rotating so when younger girls are over or, and boys are 15 16 onwards we want to hire them and train them and and it's it's we're giving a trade back into the community I as well yeah. Yeah. i see the glen as a destination certainly and uh, you know you're part of it adam is creating that as well as that uh, you know all of these coming together you have a destination people can come here and you know almost do everything they want to here and i think that's the way that we're moving we're moving out of urban areas, inter-rural areas, but we have a very tight cost price. Yeah, and remind us what, when you're open then. So we're open from? Saturdays and Sundays, Christ the King, you can't miss us, we're the nice bright green van, right with the mountains as our background, and uh, one of the most important things that we practice is we not only offer excellent coffee and probably the best baked goods in the country, yeah. we, we're not afraid of saying that, we offer a moment of mindfulness. In a time when people are struggling with their mental health at the moment, um, and when we're running to doctors for sources, we would like to think Think that that five minutes that you take for yourself to sit, sip a tea or a coffee with the Galtee Mountains as your view yeah. can be more therapeutic than any medication that you could possibly imagine. Fantastic. Look okay. forward to having Thank a cup. So Thanks a million, Bridget. Thank you. Now we're going to talk to Liz Fernand. Patricia, Hi, how are you doing? Morning. Lovely Good morning, to meet you. Good morning. No. Tell me about Liz Fernand National School. Um, we're situated here in the Glen of Arlo. We're very fortunate in the beautiful location we have for our school. We have 127 wonderful students and 10 amazing staff and we're very very lucky with the group we have and I brought two of my sixth uh, class girls along today to tell morning. us a little bit about the morning. activities. What's your own name? I'm Emma Flanagan. Emma and you're in sixth class? Yeah. And your name? Nessa Maloney. Nessa, good morning to you both. Are you happy to be here? Yeah. Yeah, we're happy to have you. Tell me some of the stuff you've been doing. I know you've been very busy between school band events and I think you did a cross country lately didn't you? Yeah, so we, the girls finished 
gold, a gold team medal. And That's fantastic. Yeah, and the boys just missed out on one. Oh, well, girls were better, weren't they? <laughs> <laughs> and what was that like in terms of preparing for it? Was that difficult? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Mr. Sexton had us running. Really? Um, about six laps every day. <laughs> out the pitch, out <laughs> yeah. the back of the pitch every yeah. day. Yeah. Did you enjoy it, though? Yeah, it was great fun. Um, tell me, Nessa, yourself, are you involved in the school band? Yeah, um, so we're currently getting ready for St. Patrick's Day. Oh. I think we're marching in care this year, is it? Right. Uh, can you tell me what, what, what it'll be like, or is that a secret? Have we a float? Um, I'm not sure. I think yeah, keeping it under wraps, good girl, that's the job, Nessa. <laughs> we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> There's a lot of preparation, I'd imagine, goes into things Massive like St. Patrick's amount. Day and the cross-country you were talking about, and the school band. Yes. Where do you find the time for it all? Well, we have very enthusiastic and energetic staff and students, so yeah. we're very fortunate, and whatever they put their minds to, they give it 110%. So we're blessed in that sense. And Miss O'Brien would have been part of uh, our marching band, has a massive history locally. It was established yeah. in 1971, and Miss O'Brien would have marched in the band as a child and followed right through. Yeah, tell me about that, because it's very unique for a school to have its own band like that, isn't it? Yes, if I, if I can cast my mind back to 1971, the, the band was set up here by a man that came from Dublin, a man called Dan Creed, and he had the great idea of setting up a band. So today, 50, 53 years later, our band is still going. Um, we have tin whistles, bell, lyres, drums, and at the moment, the fifth and sixth class kids are also learning brass. Brilliant. So it's a big undertaking to get them yeah. dressed in uniform. You know, they have a proper uniform and the whole lot. So it has taken years. So I think the band is a reflection of the yeah. whole atmosphere within the school. And um, it, it's, we're very proud of it in the Glen of Aherlow. Yeah, it's a fantastic achievement. So tell me, what instruments do you play then? I play the French horn and the tin whistle. Really? Well done. And you? I play the tin whistle and trumpet. And what's your favourite? Play. Sure. Don't mind? Yeah, I don't Anything? Well, Patricia, you're putting a lot of schools to shame here, <laughs> aren't you? Cross countries and instruments and bands and everything. What's ahead? I know the girls were saying about the St. Patrick's Day Parade. We're what else is coming up for you? We have lots of events coming up in the last term. We have a cross country event that we hold ourselves in the school, and there's a number of other activities. We've soccer taking off as well yeah. next season. Um, we've girls are in the handball, yeah, we'll the Olympic, Olympic handball. handball. Olympic handball? Yeah. When is that on? So it's on the 12th of March, so we won the county final in that. So now we're going to the Munsters. You must be court. sick of winning stuff, are you? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and the boys, so all the fifth and sixth class boys and girls are all going to Cork now for the Munster finals of the Olympic handball. That's right. Nessa, and you say it like, oh yeah, it's just, just another final, we're in, no big deal. You should be very proud of yourselves. Yeah, no, it's great to get the opportunity to play yeah. it as well, because not a lot of other schools do, so it was a great. And are you playing um, GA locally then as well? Yeah. We play. We both play for Athlone. Yeah. Where do you have time in the day? <laughs> Are you back training? Um, not yet. Next no. couple of weeks. Yeah, yeah I think the juveniles training, like the younger girls, are starting back this Saturday now as well. So yeah. it'll be great to get going again. And you've a fine team here. We've met you a few times, God knows. <laughs> and you've a great team. All the best with it. All the best for St. Patrick's Day. You're going to have a busy year ahead, Patricia. And yes, all the best. Absolutely. Thanks so much. Thank for you so much. Thank you. Thanks a million. Fool of us. Now, 
a big part of any community then as well is the community crash and we've we've met members who've set up and done great work with community crashes right across the county mary hayes you're over it here tell us about lullabies and laughter lullabies and laughter is a community crash that was purpose-built in 2009 we're very lucky we got one of the last grants from the government so we got three quarters of a million purpose-built we started off in 2009 with 20 children and four staff we now have 90 children on our books and 15 staff that's fantastic for an area like this yeah. isn't it yeah when we opened we thought oh my god what are we going to do will we ever fill it and now I could fill a second crash wow. but it's, it, it is down it's, it's a team effort there's a great team you know we all work together as a team we take children from 12 months to 12 years and you were talking there to the school yeah. we will take the children 8 to 9 in the morning we'll drop them down to school then we'll collect them at 2 and 3 so it works out for the community that's a dream and yeah. it's keeping kids in their own community they don't have to go into towns into kind of crashes where they don't know anyone that are a bit sterile aren't they yeah. no no it's, it's, it's a lovely community yeah. area and as I said we moved in in 2009 I'm a Limerick woman, but I must say... You won't hold that against you. Don't, don't hold it against me. But I must say, the community here is so inviting. And any time we have anything going on in the crash, if we need help or anything, yeah. you just go, do you know what, we could do with this, and the community helps us out. So yeah. I can't say anything but nice things about Liz Vernon. I'd love to see a few more of those community crashes. There's too few in the, in the county, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. No, I think every, every school next to it should have a community crash and then the whole village and community are all it goes from start to finish yeah um but i suppose all the grants are gone now so you're not going to get any more um but yeah it's badly needed as i said we could fill a second crash if we had when you look back at it now there might be communities listening to this saying we'd love to do something like that but the thought of it freaks me out so much is it a lot of work well it was a lot of work in 2009 and the red tape that's there now is is crazy but it's worth it yeah because you see you as you said all the local people can and their children here they can drop their children head off to work they know they're safe and then they can come back and we have them till six yeah. o'clock but open. it should be made easier for people to do yeah. it shouldn't yeah, it? yeah. It, it absolutely should yeah uh, get rid of the red tape and just let us enjoy the children anyone who's looking maybe to make contact with you how can they do that they, well i hate to say but we're full for september but our landline is 062 56 Mary, thanks so much. Continued success to you. Thanks Thank so you much, Mary, much. and all Take the best care. to everyone Bye-bye. at Lullabies and Laughter. We're going to Liam now. Poor Liam's been waiting a while. Come on over, Liam. Mick is very excited that I talk to you because he says you have a pile of stories for me. First of all, tell me what you do locally. Um, I'm an agricultural contractor. So quiet time of year? Um, or is there yeah, ever a quiet time of year? The weather. It's all about the weather. Yeah. Probably the biggest problem we're having at the moment is all the rain and stuff. Um, but when the weather dries up, we'll get very busy again and stuff, getting slurry and stuff out. Yeah. So it's um, the weather is always a big problem in my life. Always, yeah. yeah. I can imagine. So it's a quiet time. Mick, come on, what? He's he building a new house as well. So he Are d- you? Yeah, yeah. I don't know whether even a woman found yet or not. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can put it out there now anyway, Liam, if you're looking for one. I have a woman. I have a Oh, do so you hear that yeah, now, yeah, Mick? Yeah, Back yeah, off now, yeah, Mick. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, he also does uh, other type of contracting as well. You, you had a lorry on the road and all that, like, or you have No, I don't. Um, no, I, I sell, uh, we also sell machinery as um, all slurry equipment and stuff like that. Uh, Fantastic. And all that, dribble bars and all that stuff. So, so you're in for a busy summer, so? Yeah, we'd always be busy and with silage, just so time and all yeah. that stuff. And we do digger work. And 
does does a bit of everything really, I suppose. Yeah. Can I ask how is farming at the moment? I mean, you know the way the, the, the milk price has fallen so much and that you find you're the first people that will be hit by that. Are you noticing that already? Are we still pounding ahead? Yeah, most definitely. The price the price of milk suppose, has a big effect on, on mm. everything on everything we do. Um, and also the suppose the soaring prices of machinery and fuel fuel at the minute is it's crazy. Price of fuel is just and interest rates have gone up as well as yeah, that. So everything and the price of machinery, the new machinery is gone absolutely just through the roof. It's uh, it's crazy. Yeah, that's my feeling. I know I go on about rural Ireland, yeah. but I feel that the things like agriculture and tourism and that they're being hit particularly badly. And those are the things that are the power of house of rural Ireland. Yeah, it, it is. And like for me, we don't have any other option but to burn diesel, and it, yes. it, it is a big problem. Like the price of fuel, I think it's gone up. It's, it's gone up actually again today. Even fuel is there again? Yeah. Yeah, it's gone up again, um, and it doesn't seem to be looking like it's going to come down. And You'll never have an electric tractor, will you? you know? <laughs> Maybe in the future. If it's a long way. It, it seems. It's, yeah. it, at the moment, there doesn't seem to be any other option. Bear, bear, burning diesel, and that's. It, it is affecting us big time. And do you think there's a lot of people around who don't realise the realities of life in rural Ireland? Oh, most definitely. Most definitely. Like, a lot of people don't know where their food probably is coming from and maybe they should be a bit better educated mm. to know where their food and stuff is coming yeah. from. Liam, anyone who's looking to contact you, how could um, they do it? You can 0879809655. That'll be my contact number. Great. Thanks so much. Lovely, Lovely to talk to you today. Thank Thanks for that, Liam. Uh, we're going to uh, Josephine next. How are you, Josephine? Good morning, Alison. I'm good. How are you? I'm great. Tell me about the Wheelchair Association and the work done locally. Okay, so the Irish Wheelchair Association is based here in Tipperary Town, but we provide a service to people from all over South Tipperary. And I suppose we've got a long-standing history as well with the Glen of Aherlow. Um I'm from Aherlow myself, and a couple of our staff are from Aherlow, and obviously we have members from the Aherlow area. Um, but uh, we go out from our base location in Tipperary Town in the morning and we collect service users from all over South Tipperary and we bring them in or else they're going out on a day trip or an activity or an outing. Uh, so it's something that uh, fills uh, people with disabilities lives and they get to come out and enjoy and interact with their local community and I suppose recently we had a massive fundraiser which was in conjunction with Arlo Ladies Gaelic Football Association yeah. where Stuart Maloney ran 100k over 24 hours. He took on an epic challenge. Um, yeah, crazy. That's amazing. Yeah, absolutely crazy. Um, but he ran. Um, he ran uh, the hundred k uh, from. He was doing four k every hour on the hour. So all through the night and everything he ran. So we were delighted that between Arlo LGFA and the Irish Wheelchair Association, we raised over eighteen thousand. That's fantastic. Yeah, but look, the community here is absolutely fantastic. People are so good to give to local causes and and to other causes as well. But we're we're just delighted to have raised that amount of money and it's been a fantastic uh, working working relationship with Arlo LGFA but I suppose we've done that with the Glen 5k um, we've uh, worked with different uh, organisations in Arlo to, to raise funds and it's always a kind of a holistic approach and to get people with disabilities out and active and, and yeah. to be exercising you don't have to have um, you know, uh, you don't have to have full body movement to be able to exercise so that was our whole focus of that in, in the 100 in a day and we're delighted
delighted to have raised yeah, so much money. That's fantastic. And the support then that you get locally, I'm sure, plays a huge part in that. Tell me about what's planned for the year in terms of fundraising. Oh, well, um, I suppose we, that was the biggest fundraiser that we'll have this year. We'll have our national fundraiser as well later yeah. on in the year. But I suppose that the, the support that we get from our local community here and in all of uh, South Tipperary is phenomenal altogether. We have a school leaver service then based in Feathertown Park as well, uh, where young adults are coming in and they're doing ETB programs based on what they want to do as they get older. Uh, some of them are learning, passing their driving theory test at the moment. Some of them um, are doing cookery programs. So it's, it's really based on an all-inclusive approach to how they can improve their lives and live independently and make their own choices and decisions. Well done, and well done on all your work on it to, to date as well. Josephine, lovely to talk to you this morning. Thank Thanks you very so much. much. Frank yeah, for, Frank I was delighted to see you coming in with cheese. There's two ways to my heart. It's cake and cheese, and you found one of them today. Yes. Tell me about, come on closer here to me well, and tell I'm me. from the Blues Cheese Creamery. Yeah. We established here in Atlow in 2016. All our cheeses now are all handmade cheeses. We do it the old school way. We currently have, we're currently making 27 different types of cheeses with all our milk sourced locally. We do a lot, an awful lot of blue cheeses. Avalo Blue being our favourite, yeah. our best seller. And we're making a lot of goodies, goody cheeses. Uh, they're done in sheep's milk, goats and cows. Is it all locally sourced milk then? All well? locally sourced. From Richard Dunneman up there on Belly Cavern, just up the road. Yeah. And we get all goat's milk then from Mike and McGilligan in New Inn. And when did he start? And we established in 2016. Wow. So yeah. it's you're only about seven, eight years in. Seven this year, eight, eight years in. Seven or eight years in. We're flying up. Because that was nearly the height of... We were just at the beginning of COVID then yes. at that stage as well. Yes. So how was it kind of keeping a new business ticking over during it's that time? It's not easy. And it's, still, it's still not easy, but yeah. we, we're going quite well. Um, we, we sell an awful lot of stuff now. We do a lot of, an awful lot of our dealings selling, yeah. selling the warm table at Farmers Markets in Clement on the Thursday. Yeah. We, we've been in Kilkenny on a Friday and Dublin, and Dublin, or sorry, Dublin on a Friday and Kilkenny, and Kilkenny then on the Saturday. Uh, we import an awful lot of our stuff. We, we send our trees a fair way as Mercier in, in France. Wow. And where is it most popular? Huh? Where is the most, like, where are you getting the most orders from? Uh, we, do, we do an awful lot of orders up in Belfast. Right. We get a, a huge amount of orders there from the Limburg uh, Farmers Market in Limburg uh, and the old English market in Cork. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the English market, I know it's been there for a long time, but the farmers markets are very important in terms Absolutely. of pushing local hugely, products, hugely, aren't they? Hugely, yeah. 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 What about retail then? I mean, do you have you, you, do you try to position yourself with the main supermarkets or no, is that very difficult? We don't, we don't, we don't, you don't operate there at all. No, but we don't sell at farmers markets, we export. Oh, you export? We export out to Mercier in France. Yeah. And if you can sell cheese to a Frenchman, you can sell you cheese can. to yeah. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. 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 So um, you were saying about the, the farmers markets as well. For anyone maybe who's looking to, to look for more information online, are you, oh, yeah, have you an online presence the, as well? The Blues Cream. The Blues Cream Limited. You can find us online. Uh, with, all, with all details of all our cheeses online. A lot well, we seem to have lost uh, reception to, uh, to Liz for now. So what I'll do is I'll take a break and we'll see if we can't uh, get them back in just uh, a moment's time. <laughs>
If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. I think we've restored that line to uh, Ali. Let's go back to you there, Ali. Yeah, we're back here. Thanks, Fran. Sorry about that. There was a little drop in, in coverage. We actually had to move. We were in uh, Moroni's pub, first of all, this morning. We had to come up to the community hall. Um, now, to be fair, all our phones are fine. It might be the machine. I'm not going to blame poor Liz for Dan at all. But uh, we were finishing up there with the cheese. So tell me, how can people contact you there again? Uh, you can contact us there. And, uh, we're online, the Blues Creamery Limited. Lovely stuff. And I look forward to tucking into that cheese Absolutely. later. Enjoy. Thank you very much. Uh, we're going next. Come on over here. Tell me your name. Helen Morrissey. Ah, Helen. Perfect. Yeah. We're going to talk about tours, yeah. aren't we? I have to tell you a story now about the Blues Creamery. Go on. Uh, going back a couple of years ago, because um, we just called Pete McDonald's Cheese. That's all we ever called. I didn't realise the name of the Blues Creamery. We had a man come into the tourist office one day uh, looking for Blues Creamery. And the girl in the office had no idea. Absolutely no idea. And she rang me. I said... The only one I could possibly think of, I said, it must be Pete McDonald. So that's how I came to know what the actual name of it was. And tell me then about tourism, because uh, we were speaking to John. We're hoping for a good year. I know it's it's going to be a very difficult year, especially when we look at, in, in terms of availability of accommodation. How do you think this year's 2024 is going to fare in terms of tourism? Well, I suppose accommodation in some of the areas is going to be a major issue. Probably one of the plus factors for us here in the Glen is we have two camping caravan parks um, and they bring in a huge amount of visitors here over the summer. We're just approaching the month of March now. They will be opening their doors after the winter season. Most of the two of them close for the winter. Um, So kind of Patrick's Day, Easter is at least in March this year. So they will be they will be opening their doors now and they bring in a huge amount of visitors. And if there was something you could, you know, You've been you've been synonymous with the Glen for I don't know like, for so long. We won't mention how how long. But what if you could just make a magic wand? You must have seen the difficulties. What would you like to change about the way we organise tourism or the way we support it? I suppose when you look at the group that I worked for Glen of Ireland Falter, um, you know you have small groups like that in local areas. We have a lot to offer. We have reasonable amount of accommodation. Now some of them have closed. The B&B sector in particular has been hardest hit, you know. Um, I suppose for small groups, it's very hard to go out and market yourself. You have to work with uh, county tourism. For us, it's temporary tourism, uh, Munster Vales. You've got to work with these people. You've got to have a good network with them. You know, like today, temporary tourism have their their forum in in Cashel today. You know, you have to be part of all of these uh, because the smaller community tourism groups don't have the budgets. Yeah. That's the bottom line. It's we, expertise, isn't yeah. it, in market? And, and tell me about Club Kiol as well. Yeah, uh, we started Club Kiol about, oh, maybe 12, 13 years ago. And um, we started as a summer season for July and August, um, looking at sort of visitors being in the area. Uh, so basically what it is, it's um, ordinary people, you, me, Mike, whoever is in the room, uh, they sing, they play instruments, they play music, they recite a poem, you might occasionally have an old dancer. Um, so what we do is when we started it off, we moved to a different venue each week, generally pubs. We have one dry venue. <laughs> um, so, and it's been very successful. Successful in the summer months for July and August because you have visitors course, in the area. Yeah. Um, but hugely successful also for the locals. Um, so it kind of evolved to us doing one 
a month. Actually, we're starting now for 24 uh, tomorrow night. We're in Denny Leahy's pub in Tip Town. Um, and so we could have anything up to maybe 40 or 50 people. Some people just come because they like the music, yeah. the songs. Um, some people come to perform and we have every age group. We have people in their 80s. I'll mention one man in particular. He won't mind me saying it, James Hayes. He's been coming to us from day one. He loves to sing. He's a wonderful singer and a great supporter. Down, everything in between, and we have young people in their 20s who come. Yeah. It is. Yeah, it is. And it's it's an outlet for people who don't have somewhere else to go. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. and it's keeping Irish music alive. It is, yeah. Um, yeah. And we, we start at half eight. I'll put that in inverted Two. commas. Yeah. yeah. Irish time Irish time and we started that because we figured you know European visitors foreign visitors like to go out early and go home early yeah unlike Irish people <laughs> but so we, we you know it's not a late night thing yeah um, and it's literally we have a vanity who's usually me um, and we go around the room you know so you know the different people you yeah. know what they can do and who can sing and who can tell a story anyone maybe who's looking for information on where you are on any given night where can they go um, for that? well I suppose it's on all our social media so it is so how what we do is is uh, we run a web text so anybody who wants to be informed or keep in the loop yeah. about it we put them on our web text and we notify them a week before the next session um, and then the night before as well where we are and what time we'll be on lovely Helen lovely to talk to you this morning thanks so much for coming along John O'Gorman come on over here to me you're waiting so long come on over how are you doing how are you doing now, John, you're with uh, Arlo. I'm, I'm <laughs> oh, very no. Nervous. Don't yeah. be nervous at all. all We're all friends here, John. Me, um. But you know what? And it's great to highlight the community. Yeah. And, and the work of the community council, which you're a part of, is a huge part of that as well. Tell me about the work that you're doing. Well, we're, we're, we're the community, Arlo Kilross Community Council. And uh, we've been going since about 2006. And to tell you the truth, COVID nearly killed us. Really? Yeah, because because nobody could come yeah. as a community. And so our, our, our central uh, purpose was, was gone. Yeah. So we're picking up the pieces bit by bit uh, ever since. And, uh, we, you know, we've, we've been developing things uh, for the, 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 the last few years, uh, such as you can see, we just, we just got this place uh, all painted. It's fantastic here. It's a beautiful hall. Yeah, it's a great hall. Yeah. Um, and it's a great focus in, in the community for things. Yeah. So we ended up here this morning. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and we're grateful for it. Thanks yeah. so much for that. Tell them what you've been planning for 24. Okay, we've an awful lot of stuff uh, uh, going on. And, 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 and basically, the development in the community from, from, the, from the viewpoint of an organization like this depends on people. So, so what we have is we've got a very, very dedicated um, community council. Yeah. Um, and we have done lots of stuff, but there's lots and lots more that we'd like to do. Yeah. And if I could just take a minute out just, just to say um, that, that uh, we couldn't do any of this unless we got loads and loads of support from, from the community and also from, from outside agencies as well. Yeah. So I, I think I will actually mention them. Of course, yeah. Okay, so, so, so Pubble are the people who enabled us to, to, to get to, to refurbish the, the hall. Yeah. And we've, we have we've classes in here uh, 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 every week from, from the ETB which I always get the name of wrong. It's, it's the Why, what do you call it? Well, do, it's the Educational Training Board, isn't yeah, it? I, thank you very much. Because <laughs> You're I, welcome. I always think of, I always, the word tourism always comes okay. into Okay, the Educational so, Tourism Board, yeah. The County Council have been incredibly yeah. supportive. And uh, this year, Science Foundation Ireland uh, uh, gave us support. And we had, a, we had a big talk in here for Science Week. 
It was Fantastic. absolutely... It's it was, great to see Are you responsible for the woodlands? You know, the beautiful natural woodland park down near Aharlow. I mean, that's fantastic, whoever does it. Was oh, that's, that's Aharlow Falls, Aharlow yeah. Falls. Yeah, absolutely. They're, doing, they're doing all the hard work and we're doing the easy work. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. It's a, it's a credit why, to the community. That's why, that's why I'm in this seat, is because I'm, I'm too old to do any hard work anymore. So, so yeah, this year, this year through um, the Community Foundation Ireland, we got, we got a grant. We're going to develop a biodiversity plan for the Glen. Um, yeah, which is great. Yeah. We'll get some sort of a, of a, of a, of a baseline for this, yeah. um, and, uh, and that's going, going forward. Our AGM is, is in about 10 days' time on yeah. Thursday week, and uh, today's Thursday, isn't it? It is. Well, yeah, no, today, yeah, today's Wednesday. Today's Wednesday. Today's okay, Wednesday. so it is Thursday week. So this week, yeah. But I really want to, when I have the opportunity, invite as yeah. many people to come forward. We can get involved in so many uh, new projects yeah. uh, if, we have, if we have the people. Yeah. Yeah. John, so, lovely to talk to you this morning. Thanks so much for talking to us. Thank you very much. Um, have, we make, have we Kathleen here? Is Kathleen here? Hello, Do you know Lena, what? How are you doing? Eddie, Welcome to the parish. When I said to my son last night, you know who I'm meeting tomorrow? I'm meeting Eff and Eddie tomorrow. <laughs> what? Will you get his autograph? Oh. Yes, I will. How are you, Eddie? Can't never feeling better, boy, to see you around. And the Glen, it's a bit cloudy, but it's something else. The sound of the birds this morning. Amazing. Everything going well. People arriving, walking, doing all them loops up here at the back of us and sleeping them up, hitting for colour. It's unbelievable. They come from America, they come from China, they come from Hong Kong, you name it. Frank Curry was said, will you ask Eddie, what is he doing now? What am I doing? Well, I'll be straight. And, and you're doing very little, Frank. You're but you were, I, I know you were in Kerry lately, but we'll say no more about that. <laughs> but, yeah, Are you still going busy. to matches and commentating on matches? No, not, not really commentating, but giving That's my opinion, all right, like, you know. But I get around to him. What I, what I really enjoy is going to see the grandchildren playing, yeah. mm -hmm. the local school here playing, the local clubs, you know. That's my, my hobby. And running, like, athletics is back in the Glen. It was there in the 1800s even, there, you know what I mean? And everything going forward, a lot of things happening, good things, you know. Yeah. I and I feel you have strong opinions on referees. That's why yeah. I, I have very strong oh, yeah. opinions you at know, times, I think, which you express. Very good, them. very good. Yeah, yeah. Sure. They have to be checked. Even the commentators. Eddie, be checked you're dead right. Well. They do have to do be know, checked. You know what I mean? That's a big question mark on the blackboard now you see in the school, even. Well, I mean, when you see school matches now, I mean, look at the, the Hearty Cup and how they've been performing oh. that. I mean, it's incredible. It was, yeah. That was, that was brilliant. And then. My conditions were terrible, but oh. the lads gave it all. Then. And to see Mary I to pull it out was unbelievable. Yeah. With a, a few tip lads. A I good few tip yeah, lads. Yeah, a good few yeah, tip lads, which was brilliant. Tell me, what are you predicting for the year ahead, anyway, for the hurlers and the footballers? Oh, I think, well, in the football, we'll, we, we keep competitive, which they are starting now. They are, they're doing a bit, like the minors as well. Yeah, you have to start somewhere yeah. and try and keep building, and the haulers are coming. Do you know what I mean? They're getting strong. We know what's out there ahead of us. Mm -hmm. But you look, they're going to be really competitive, and it's enjoyable no matter whether you're going to yeah. be. You're, you, you really look forward to going to those games, you know. Who have we next um, make? Tell me. Sorry, yeah, 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 yeah. Edie, uh, we've Kathleen and Nelly, the two yeah, that organise. You're taking up all my time. I'm so sorry. Well, you don't have to worry. Yeah. But growing up 
in Lisfanan was something else. Uh, serious members of Lisfanan and Arlo. Lots of stories about fellas trashing, Joel style, everything. Yeah. So I will sign off. The <laughs> grandest spot in Ireland. Liz Vernon. Liz Vernon. Eddie, great to see you. Thanks, Millian. Karen, how are you doing? Kathleen. Oh, Kathleen. Nelly. Sorry, Kathleen. How are you all? You're the folks that run the, the business below the shopping. Yeah, Kathleen, we were in there this morning yes, and our machine was acting up, so we had to come in here. I was sorry to miss the comfort of the all, pub. No I mean, for businesses in the area, yes. I mean, it, I'm always amazed coming into villages because there, there seems to be this word going around that villages are dying, but yeah. all of the villages I've come to, they're not. No, and no. that is because of the great communities yeah. and the great local businesses operating. Yeah, no, we're still doing fine. You know yeah. what I mean? We have the pub is going fine yeah, yeah. yeah. the shop is doing alright you know yeah, so yeah. it's hard work we put in long hours but if you enjoy doing it it's it's everything yeah. you know it's yeah. nice to have a community <laughs> shop still it running is. and uh, because they're few and far between yeah, now right, yeah, yeah yeah individual shops have yeah. enjoying it still and anyway, we still have the health to do it and and we're we're blessed we have it for as long as we can yeah. 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 how long have you been operating now well 1858 wow. 1868 is that yeah. the longest yeah. in the family yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. 1868 in the one family you must be so yeah. proud to carry that legacy it's just great yeah, yeah it's great to see yeah. that you know what I mean it's yeah. great to have it there yeah. like, and it you know. just yeah. and it's always been better when the women took over <laughs> <laughs> why does that surprise you <laughs> why does that surprise you we'll have to sign off I'm afraid because I'm afraid we're just over time but everyone here in Lisbon you were a pleasure this morning thanks so much for having us thank here Make God, you, you organise the whole thing so no, thanks I very did, much yeah, for thank, us no thank you and I just want to apologise to those that didn't come especially the one man one one man, one day, 100k. Yes. Stuart, I was to get back to him and I forgot about it. That's but a, to all the others, good. Yeah. thanks a million to everyone. It was a pleasure. Uh, so here in Liz Fernan, uh, the latest stop on our village tour, we're back to studio. Thanks, Fran. Thanks, Ali. Uh, what a wonderful piece this morning from Liz Fernan. I enjoyed that so much. Great to hear F and Eddie, the great Eddie Maroney on the radio. Uh, once again, I have great time for him indeed. Um, all right, and by the way, if you are living in a village somewhere in Tipperary and you think, yeah, yeah, we, we'd like to be part of that, well, you'd be very, very welcome indeed if you want to speak to Leanne about it on 1800-938-007 or indeed you can email us. That's tiptoday at tipfm.com. News and information is coming up. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Tip Today with Fran Curry With Slattery's Garage Pecone, your Peugeot car or van might benefit from a free software upgrade. For more information and to find out if this applies to your vehicle, Call the lads in Slattery's Garage, puck on, on 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. Thanks, Pat, and uh, you're very welcome back to the final hour of uh, Tip Today. Now, just a little bit of housekeeping before we move on, because the Cardiac First Responders Information Evening that was due to take place in Mullinahone Community Centre this Wednesday night has been postponed until uh, a later date. I understand that's due to a bereavement there, but we were speaking to Adriano uh, about this on the programme uh, some time ago, uh, just to, to highlight what's happening, and we will let you know when the when we know about the rescheduled date where that is concerned. I know a lot of uh, social dance fans listen uh, to the programme and I'm delighted to tell you that uh, tonight marks the first night of a brand new social dance series 
in Fitzpatrick's Country Club in Clonmore, which is just outside of uh, Templemore. It's a double gig tonight with uh, Andy Feary and lovely Olivia Douglas there. It's kicking off at uh, nine o'clock and the organiser is the great John Malloy, who's a fantastic performer himself. So I'm sure that John will uh, sing a few songs tonight uh, as well. So that's happening in Clonmore and every Wednesday night going forward. But uh, a special one to kick it off with a double bubble of uh, Andy Feary and Olivia Douglas. And I want to wish them all the very best uh, indeed, particularly my friend John Fitzpatrick up there as well. Now, 083-311-3311. And it's time for our guard slot. And I'm glad to be joined by Detective Sergeant uh, Declan O'Carroll. Good morning to you, Declan. Good morning, friend. Good to talk to you today. Can we begin in uh, Tipperary Town? Uh, because a couple of sheds uh, broke into. Yes, friend. Um, this, uh, these incidents uh, between 11.30pm on the 9th and 10am on the 10th of February, a shed was broken into in the James Connolly Park area of Tipperary Town. quantity of uh, power tools were stolen in, in, in this case. And Tipperary Guardia are appealing for anyone with any information or respect to this break and to contact them at Tipperary Guard Station. Then in, uh, another incident uh, that occurred on the, uh, the 9th, between the 9th and the 11th of February, um, a shed was broken into in the Pierce Park area of Tipperary Town. A, a motorbike was stolen um, in this incident and the motorbike has since been recovered. Then there was a third incident uh, which occurred between 10am on the 8th and 8am on the 9th of February. A shed was broken into in the Bay Coon area of Hollyford. Uh, power tools were stolen in, in this case in Tipperary Guardia are appealing for anyone with any information in respect to these break-ins to contact them. In particular, they'd like to appeal to any persons who may have uh, been offered power tools for sale in suspicious or unusual circumstances, friend. I was very sorry to hear, Declan, that the community hall there in uh, Tipperary Town, the Marion Hall, as I would know it, um, was broken into as well. Yes, friend, Guardia are anxious to get to the bottom of this uh, investigation, and this occurred between 6pm on the 14th to 9.30am on the 15th of February, a community hall was broken into in the Michael Street area of uh, Tipperary Town. No property was stolen, but uh, unfortunately a substantial amount of damage was caused internally uh, to the building, friend. God almighty. Um, we're hearing constantly over the last while about uh, fuel being uh, stolen, Declan. This is, it's no different this week. Yes, two incidents, um, just to highlight to your listeners that this type of uh, offence is happening throughout the county. At this, uh, between 3pm on the 6th and 8.30am on the 7th of February, quantity of fuel was stolen from an excavator in the Dundrum area. And then between 10am on the 15th and 6pm on the 16th, the quantity of home heating oil was stolen from a house in the Golden uh, Donaski area. Um, Gerdy would like to, as I said, highlight that this type of offence is uh, being reported throughout the county. Mm, yeah, it seems to be on the rise, all right. Can we move to the Thurles area then, and uh, particularly to Boris Lee? And uh, would you tell me what happened there, Declan? Uh, yes, on the 8th of February, Fran, a robbery occurred in Boris Lee at approximately 4.30pm in the day. Uh, a knife was allegedly used during the course of the incident. A man was subsequently arrested in relation to the offence, and he was detained and questioned at Thurles Garda Station. Fran, and he was later charged with uh, a number of offences, including robbery offences. Mm, very scary indeed. Uh, items from cars again? Declan? Yes, and again, friend, these uh, types of incidents are happening happening up and down the county, uh, thefts from cars. Um, just a good news story in this one, where Gardaí investigating the theft of items from a car parked up in Torlis. On the 10th of February, uh, arrested and charged a man with, with theft offences. Good stuff indeed. Now, public order offences, and quite a number of them, in fact. Yes, in Torlis, a large number of public order offences in the last fortnight, and the majority of these led to arrests, friend. Uh, and charges before the court. There was 15 in all responded to 
by Gardaí and some will most will be dealt with by way of charge uh, charge to court or summons mm. some by caution uh, three of these incidents occurred in Killinall and the rest in Turles what, what happened in Calais? Yes, Fran, this was a, a burglary that occurred on the 13th of February, sometime between 5pm and 10.30pm. Uh, items were stolen from a house and Gardaí are asking for anyone uh, with any information to contact Templemore Garda Station. Unfortunately, Fran, in this case, a number of items were stolen and uh, there have been an increase in this type of burglary, rural burglary, in the last two weeks across the, uh, across the county. Now, to the Care Cashel uh, area now, and uh, again, uh, there was a robbery, I think, in, in the, the Hoare Abbey area of Cashel. Yes, Fran, this was a theft in the Hoare Abbey area of Cashel between the 14th and 15th, uh, 15th of February. Some household items were taken from a house in that area, and Gary uh, would like to ask anyone that saw anything unusual to contact Care Gar- Guard Station. All right. Speaking of unusual, cars were being checked out uh, in an estate. In the yeah, speaking about, um, we were just speaking about tests yeah. from cars, friend, and um, over uh, over the same time as the last incident, Gardaí received a report of people checking out cars in an estate in the Cashel area. Gardaí are following a definite line of inquiry uh, in relation to this, and it's hopeful that uh, arrests will be made in the in mm. the coming days. But you're urging people once again to be mindful, I suppose, Declan. Yes, friend, and we'd we'd always uh, remind people, urge people to be mindful and cautious of leaving items in. In the car at all times, especially at home and at night, when people feel a, a false insecurity and sometimes leave their cars uh, or doors unlocked. And always remember to lock your car, even if you are just running into your house or, or or the shop. Sometimes the mind boggles. People walking on the motorway. Yes, Fran and Guardian Care would like to highlight this and and ourselves up up in the north of the county. Um, We've dealt with several people in recent weeks walking on the um, M8 motorway after a night out. Um, not only is it an offence to do this, but it's also extremely dangerous and could have serious consequences for those at risk or drivers on the road as well, Fran. If you're going out at night, always be sure to plan how you're going to find you, uh, how you're getting home. Don't take a chance and, and head to the motorway. God almighty, it sounds so, so dangerous indeed. To the Clonmel district, if we could, Declan, and again, more burglaries. Yes, Frank Gardy from Clonmel are investigating three burglaries that occurred in the last fortnight. A number of items were stolen during the course of a burglary, Frank, that occurred on the 10th of this month in the Gables, Clonmel. One man was later arrested as before the courts on burglary offences in relation to this incident. Then in another incident, Frank, a man was arrested and charged with a burglary that occurred at Kicking Place in, in Clonmel. And uh, thirdly, Fran, on the 20th of February during the course uh, of the day, a house was burgled in Pool of Kerry, Kilsheelan. Uh, it happened sometime between 8.30am and 3pm. Gardaí appealing for witnesses or anyone with any information to come forward to Gardaí uh, in Clamell. All oh, right. And, uh, so am I reading that right? So that was during the day, sorry, some of them? Uh, yes, Fran, wow. unfortunately, daytime burglaries as well as nighttime burglaries. Well, um, the drugs unit in the area were busy as well. Yes, Fran, the Division of Drugs Unit carried out searches in Clamell area on the 13th of February and suspected cannabis and cocaine were recovered. This is subject to analysis with a value of over €600, Euros, uh, as well as a uh, large sum of cash was uh, also seized and the file will be prepared for the Director of Public Prosecutions on the matter. Horses taken? Yes, Fran, this is two horses were stolen from the feathered area between the 12th and 13th of February. Again, Gardaí are seeking the public's help and asking anyone information to contact Federal Guard Station. And then once again, a car broken into... Just to highlight, uh, again, cars being broken into um, in various areas throughout the county. This car was parked in William Street, Clamell, on the 13th of February between half five and half seven uh, in the day or in the evening. Uh, it was broken into and had items stolen. Uh, Gardaí are harvesting CCTV in relation to the incident and again, inquiries are ongoing. To North Tip then, uh, Declan, to your own area and to Ross Gray in particular uh, and again, a burglary, but a, a good outcome. 
Yes, Frank Gardy investigated a burglary that occurred in Ross Grey on the 18th of February, arrested an individual uh, the, the following day. This man was questioned at Nina Garda Station at Lent and has later been charged with burglary offences and a file has been prepared for the DPP on the matter in relation to all aspects uh, of the incident. And more burglaries? Yes, Fran, I suppose uh, Gardaí investigated a number of burglaries that have occurred in the last two weeks across the district. Um, Nina District on the 13th of February a house was broken into in the Concannon uh, area of Moneygall between 4pm and 8pm. Gardaí are looking for anyone who saw anything suspicious to contact Nina Garda station. Then on the 17th of February uh, between 7 and 9pm a house was broken into in the Millbrook area of Banner O'Clock and unfortunately a number of items were stolen. Again, Gardaí are looking to talk to anyone uh, that may have um, seen anything suspicious to contact them and just in relation to that incident mm. in Millbrook, uh, Gardy believed the intruders were disturbed and made uh, good their escape in the direction of Ballinamona Cross. Um, again, anyone anyone who may have witnessed anything suspicious mm. in the area is asked to contact the Garda station. And again, relatively early there between 7pm and 9pm as well. Some criminal damage too. Yes, Fran, in, in the early hours of 5th of, Fe- 5th of February, Gardy and Nina received a report about a man who had a a hammer in his possession in Kenya Street, friend. Um, Gardy responded, uh, and one man was less, uh, arrested in relation to the incident and later charged with criminal damage to public order and uh, possession mm. of uh, an offensive weapon. Thank God. What happened then in the Carrigrua estate? Yes, friend, this was an unfortunate incident that occurred of criminal damage that occurred in Carrigrua estate on the 19th of February. A car had its tyre slashed and graffiti was sprayed on the car. Uh, Again, anyone with any information is asked to contact Nina Garda station as we very much like to, to solve this um I can, I can imagine indeed. In Ross Grey, then, what happened about the debit card? It was lost initially, wasn't uh, it? Yes, friend. This was um, Gardaí examining and harvesting CCTV footage from premises in Ross Grey in relation to this debit card that had been lost by its owner and subsequently found by uh, another individual who used it fraudulently, tapping in a number of shops. We're hoping, friend, to identify the suspect through uh, CCTV footage. Mm, and now, your colleagues in, in the road policing unit, they intercepted a car. What happened? Yes, this happened on the 10th of February, friend, where the road police unit intercepted the car after an alert uh, came up for no insurance. The driver was subsequently arrested on suspicion of drink driving. Fran was also charged with um, uh, weapons offences. The matter is currently before the court. Oh. And uh, the trailer that was taken? Yes, Fran, this theft happened between the 7th and the 8th of February in, uh, from a premises in Kennedy Park in Ross Grey. A trailer was stolen and a gas cylinder was also stolen. Gary would love to reunite the inter-party in this case with his property um, and are appealing for anyone uh, with any information to contact us. Uh, just in relation to another, I suppose, rural crime, a trough was stolen from a farmyard in Cooleen, Silver Mines, between the 4th and the 17th. And uh, Gardy would like to highlight this to landowners and be aware of this type of offence is, is occurring uh, right. throughout the county. And, you know, every every time we speak, Declan, you're, you're at pains to warn people about fraud. Yes, Fran, I suppose just a, a final uh, reminder just to keep it in people's heads. Uh, and uh, remind your listeners to be fraud aware. A lot of scams being reported um, currently, uh, as uh, um, unfortunately, and uh, don't click on links uh, and be suspicious of unsolicited phone calls and just be suspicious in general because uh, this type of uh, offence is prevalent at the moment. All right, Declan, thank you for your time as always, Declan. Thank you and good morning to you. Thank That's, you, friend. Uh, Detective Sergeant uh, Declan O'Carroll there speaking to us this morning in our Garda slot. 1800-938-007. My friend Patrick on from Clonmel to say, the Gremlins seem to be in all of our phone lines today, friend. It certainly seems to be the case, Patrick. I think we've been hearing about some issues around South Tip anyway. Um, okay, Dean has dragged, this is referring to uh, Dean McGrath who spoke to me 
earlier on and he is a, a local activist indeed and Sinn Féin candidate in the local elections. He spoke to me um, about the rumours around Hearns Hotel. Uh, anyway, Councillor Shamie Morris was on to say that Dean dragged the conversation away from bogus asylum seekers to war. Most of our bogus asylum seekers are from Nigeria, Algeria and Georgia and Sinn Féin ordered their members away from the protest in Ross Grey. Well, I can't speak for that because I don't know fully, uh, Shamey, but I do know that in terms of the rally, I have to say that uh, Deputy Martin Brown did speak at it and again, election candidate Brendan O'Crahour did speak at uh, that too. Um, we keep hearing about how immigrants benefit our country, Fran. They absolutely do in many ways. However, there is a big difference with immigrants who come here through the proper channels uh, to work. Uh, they source their own accommodation in comparison to those uh, who are coming here sometimes without proper ID, given an allowance from the state and living in overcrowded state accommodation paid for by the taxpayer. And I did make that point uh, to Dean. I bet made the point several times. There is that... I, I don't know why. Some politicians, they try and conflate, is that the proper word, um, the idea of people who come here to work specifically for certain jobs and, as you say, source their own accommodation with people who come in here seeking asylum and maybe there's a, a proportion of those coming in who are here without ID and uh, maybe here from countries that are deemed safe. So that, that notion of conflating those two ideas is a bit kind of bit pointless in a, in a lot of ways, but it keeps happening. It seems to be anyway. Eighteen hundred nine three eight double o seven. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry in association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over fifty years in the Premier County. Slattery's Garage. Ie. Coming. Tip FM's Tip Today with Fran Curry In association with Slattery's of Pecone, Tipperary's main Peugeot dealer. Slattery's Garage Pecone, the name you can trust for over 50 years in the Premier County. Slattery'sGarage.ie Welcome back to Tip Today. Just to remind you, we have our gardening slot back because uh, even though looking out the window, it's rather miserable out there, but spring has sprung, I'm assured. So if you have a gardening query, will you log it with us as soon as you can, please, on uh, 083-311-3311 or indeed you can speak to Leanne on 1800-938-007, except you can't speak to her at the moment because she's here in studio with me. Good morning to you, Leanne. Good morning. And good to see you. Um, you're going to talk to us about cancel culture. Will, will you just tell us what is cancel culture? So cancel culture is a phrase that's getting very popular on social media, say, from 2010 to now. So if you imagine, it's kind of the modern version of me- medieval shunning. So it is when people decide that an individual or a group has done something they deem as inappropriate or they think is maybe racist or intolerable, they will decide that person has to become an outcast. Wow. And you, you say since 2010, but it seems to me over the last few years we're particularly hearing about this, aren't we? Careers being destroyed. being Yeah, I think it's got so popular um, because of social media. So anyone can take out their phone anywhere. And if they see someone doing something they don't like, especially people in the public eye, it's there, they post it up and that person's career can be destroyed. I think the issue is that people are finding with it, it's what's the line of who decides what's right. And well, what's that's, not. that's the point, isn't it? Who is adjudicating all of this? I think 
a lot of people would blame this where the start of the snowflake culture and censorship people yes. feeling like they can't say certain things or people not knowing what and to say people being easily offended I guess is that it or, or just offended I better leave out the word easily or I'll be cancelled yes I think so and I think that people are afraid to go against pe- these, these people who are cancelling people because you could get cancelled yourself for not supporting the cancelling so it's a big cycle now where I think people are so afraid even online to post things about their own opinion or things they feel or think because they are afraid of a group of people seeing it and being like yeah no that's that's horrible that's intolerable you're cancelled so mm. people are taking it to the point where before it used to be people in the public eye so politicians celebrities influencers people who constantly have thousands of people watching them mm. Now it started to just become normal people. So if a normal person puts up something and says something maybe not in the most politically correct way or they use a phrase or a word that someone considers outdated, people are actually recording this or taking screenshots on their social media and sending it to their work or their school or the colleges they go to or even their families. Deliberately trying to damage them because of a, a comment or a stance that they're taking. Yeah, so then when it, there's been a lot of instances of online where then the employee employment where they work at feel like they have to do something. So a lot of people have been put on leave or lost their jobs or suspended because the company doesn't want to be seen to support something that citizens are giving out about. And then the person in question is there in writing or there's a video of them saying something that people online just don't agree with. Good God. Give us, give us some examples of the well-known people who have been uh, cancelled. Um, I think... Brian Tobert, he's a huge one at the moment. Mm. He, he himself came out and has said, I am cancelled. I have been cancelled. My name has been sullied. Um, so that was an interesting comment. And, and what does he mean by that, that he is no longer being courted by um, TV and radio to be on panels or to be interviewed? Is, is that really what he means? Yeah, I think he means as well his, his fan base, his supporters have turned against him. So they see that what happened with the payments in RTE and yeah. um, stuff like that, they feel like He's not trustworthy anymore. This is something we can cancel him for. And yeah, he's lost his support. He's The way his image is seen in the public eye has shifted. Yeah, to be honest with you, what happened to him, I mean, whether you agree or disagree with, with the, the, the payments and stuff, I was really more than surprised that you go from hero to zero in the shortest amount of time. Yeah, and that's what cancel culture is. And you could do so much good. There's been so many examples of influencers online. You do one wrong thing or you do one thing someone deems is inappropriate, where obviously there is instances where someone says something completely outrageous that should not be said. But uh, there is other times where something could just be misconstrued or someone might have said something and the intention be taken wrong. And Mm. it doesn't matter what good you've done, you're gone, you're cancelled. The trans debate is very much up there, isn't it, in terms of people being cancelled? Yeah, I think Graham Lenehan especially, um, he got caught with that. Obviously people knew him for... Um, writing Father Ted but his show um, in 2008 The Search of It um, that was what got him cancelled the comments made in regards to gender and sexism Yes and I know the musical for Father Ted was dumped as well uh, following that J.K. Rowling of course Yeah she was majorly cancelled people have stopped watching the Harry Potter movies Um, they've asked for new ones to be made without her involved because of the trans comments she has made Um, all of the books now, they think a lot of people won't read the books or when they do read the books, they're looking, going through the books, analysing the books for anything that might be racist, transphobic, uh, homophobic, sexist. So they're actually going back and reading it with a fine tooth now to see, OK, is there anything else we can find what, where she said something she shouldn't have said?
My God, the finger is pointing at, you'll forgive me for saying so, at your generation where this is concerned, this cancel culture and this snowflake and this... What what do you make of that? I mean, you know, is that justified, do you think? I think that we now have this new outlet in other generations, which, which we didn't have. We have the control of having a phone in front of us constantly, before, if we had an opinion, we'd wait until we went to the shop or you'd meet your friend in the pub and you'd sit down and chat about it. Now you can be sitting at home on the couch and have something pop into your head and within two minutes you can have it online on a platform for hundreds of people to see. So it's that power we have now where our opinions are not our own. We can share them with everybody. And if you're putting something out online, one out of a hundred people are going to agree. Mm. Two out of a hundred people are going to agree. Whereas before, if you had an opinion like that, you might just keep it to yourself. Mm. And it's so easy now to find other people that agree with you on things. And that's how this starts because it takes one person saying something for four or five to jump on the bandwagon. And now we have a whole group of people. But Leanne, is the result of this that you're stifling debate and conversation? And, you know, it's no wonder we have a single narrative on so many different things now at this point, you know? I think so, because I think that if you have an opinion that is not the mainstream opinion that is being pushed and you go out and you say this, you will get cancelled. There will be somebody who will go back through your social media and find something you said years ago. It's got to the point now where the brand of clothes you wear, if you buy clothes that aren't from a ethically produced company, you can be cancelled. Why are you supporting this? If you like a social media post from someone who it actually happened to, the Mumford & Sons lead singer. Yeah. Um, he liked a tweet by someone who was considered a right-wing author. His career was gone. He had to leave the band the following week. So you could, it's you have to be so careful. If you're there scrolling on your Twitter, sometimes you accidentally hit something, but you could hit the wrong thing. Yeah, and I heard people being hauled over the coals of just sort of, you know, reposting something. Now, you might repost something not because you agree with it, just to to highlight it in some way but I heard them being hauled over the coals about that yeah 100% and I think I've even heard of now employers looking through people's social media before they hired them to see what they have reposted or what groups they might be interacting with so it's not just a thing of people doing it themselves there's actually employees are doing it to see who this person is like it's so easy to background check somebody you go onto your phone you look at their social media you know who they who their friends are where they socialise what political party they stand with, what kind of content they like and repost online. Is it going to fizzle out? Because I have that sort of instinct that it's it's gone so over the top now that it's beginning to fizzle out. But maybe that's just wishful thinking on my behalf, is it? I think some people think that some of it has got laughable to the point now where we are avoiding completely normal phrases or words because it might affect somebody. like. I think I saw something one day and it made me laugh and it was someone had put up a recipe for a bread. I think it was for bread. Someone commented, that's not, that's not on like that, that has flour in it. People that are gluten free, you're not accepting them in this. They're not a part of this. Like, so it was at a point where this woman had posted about flour and she was being called out for not being inclusive of people who have dietary issues. I think though then on the other side of it, there is people out there who are using this to their benefit. So people like Piers Morgan's, Katie Hopkins, even Ivan Yates's comments the other yeah, day about yeah, Irish. Yeah, yeah, De- deliberately knowing that yeah. you're going to get a conversation going or get a row started, I suppose. Yeah, I think they're uncancelable because they don't care. I think their whole thing is that they can, they will say what they 
they think. And there is people that will, if they get hate, they're still getting airtime. If they get support, they're still getting airtime. So I think a lot of people are going that route now mm. as well. Well, uh, Tucker Carlson's uh, interview with Putin has to be <laughs> way up there in terms of that because God knows that that divide opinion, you know, yeah. so it's out there, yeah. Some gobshite was, had a right go at me about reflecting people's um, uh, feelings in Ross Gray up on Twitter. I mean, real serious go, you know, for... You know, I mean, if you can't reflect people's feelings without being called racist or whatever, you know, you'd, you'd wonder about it all. Um, so what what do you think then about cancer? In in this country, I suppose George Hook would have been cancelled in, in some ways and he lost his job over an opinion he put out on air as well, you know. So it's going to continue on, Leanne. I think so. I think that it will continue on, but I think that people are starting to realise the only thing worse than having a biased society is having an unbalanced society. So right now things aren't balanced. Um, people are afraid to have an opinion that doesn't fit the norm, which is pushing people to the opposite extreme. So I think it is going to all blow up now and people are actually going to sit down and reevaluate. okay, what? What, what matters? What is affecting people? What is not? Because I don't think a woman talking about bread on Facebook is somebody trying to seclude and trying to leave out a certain community. I don't think so. Interesting. All right, Leanne, great to see you. Thanks very much indeed uh, for that. Cancel culture, do you have an opinion on that? Uh, 083 311 We'll be right back to you. Join the conversation in Tipperary. Contact us through Facebook, Twitter or email tiptoday at tipfm.com. If it matters to you, it matters to us. Call TIP today on 1-800-938-007. If you don't want to be cancelled, don't say horrible, mean things. Uh, it's simple, says Noel. Um, yeah, and I mean, you know, I mean, nobody advocates that people should be saying horrible, mean things, but you should be able to have a robust conversation or just an opinion that's different without losing your job or you know, losing your business or whatever. Um, the Dylan Mulvaney episode with Bud Lightfran is a classic backfire of woke and cancel uh, culture. Well, that's that's for sure. I mean, that really was so destructive to uh, Bud Light having uh, Dylan Mulvaney uh, as the, the face of the organisation. Somebody else saying cancel culture and woke Destroying the Western world, the strong, masculine, brave males are being wiped out of the Western armies while Russia and China are building their mighty military empires, says somebody. Uh, Patrick uh, reminding us that Piers Morgan and uh, Sharon, they were cancelled by Talk TV over the whole Meghan Markle uh, thing. Um, in October of 2023, Fran Leo Varadkar said there's a limit on the state's capacity and we are very much at that. That was five months ago but nothing has been done to stop uh, the flow. Um, another listener saying in regard to yesterday's chat about the Irish language, I'm a fluent Irish speaker living in Tipperary. I'm from the Gaeltacht in Connemara uh, in County Galway. I only speak Irish at home in Galway very little here, but I try to teach my kids, which they are picking up on. Uh, there should uh, be way more courses or pop-up shops or some meetings to learn and to teach Irish. It is our language. No need to be foreigners in our own country. It's very shameful, says one of our listeners. Only three, three double one, double three, double one. Brian was on to say, 
I'm appalled by the populist and condescending attitude that Sinn Féin are adopting. They have lost their way and they're becoming conformist to the established political system and to Europe. And furthermore, they refuse to boycott uh, their White House visit to genocide Joe and his buddies. And uh, it goes on to give us more information there uh, as well. Brian says, I was a Sinn Féin supporter since the 1970s, but no longer. And there's more like me. All right. Let us speak about gardening uh, to Alton Nesbitt. Good morning to you, Alton. Good morning, Fran. Uh, good to talk. Has spring sprung, so to speak, Alton? Absolutely. I mean, as it has been fantastically mild and um, everything is just coming into really good colour at the moment. And like, I mean, the snowdrops have, g- have given a great display and even the daffodils are in full bloom now as well. Or I love the, the, the brown cover um, cyclamens uh, and they're, they're particularly good as well. But even though you know, when we do get sunlight, the trochs does open up uh, uh, the lovely sunny heads as well at this time of the year. Um, what's been very good as well are, have been the hellebores. And I love the, heli- the, the hellebores because they're the lovely Christmas roses. And they come in a variety of colours as well. But they have given a fantastic display this year. Because, I mean, it has been so mild. Lots of plants have really kind of burst into growth, really. And lots of, lots of things are starting to sprout quite early as well. You know, things like um, even the, the lilacs are starting to bud out. Mm. And, and um, even the clematis and things like that are all starting to grow quite, quite um, early. So mm. hopefully we don't have a late frost that will, will burn that back a little bit. So um, if, if you have plants that are a little bit frost sensitive, now sort of like the lovely camellias now, they're in full bloom as well. You have the lovely pinks and the whites and the reds, those. And there's the lovely acid-loving plants, the camellias. You often kind of have it as a hedge or even as a climber as well. They're, they're particularly good. And camellia donation is probably one of the hardier varieties, really, uh, to grow. Let's say in, in Tipperary, it's quite a hard, hardy variety. Um, but again, if you get a late frost, just cover it uh, with a frost fleece over over the, the camellia. Just protect the buds from any late frost. So that it will mm. pr- prolong the flowering of it right into into um, late spring. Anyway. Because it has been remarkably mild, even though we're told it's going to get colder in the, in the next few days. Yeah, that's right. So I mean, really, things that um, are a little bit frost sensitive. Now, there was a lovely thing there called Cerakocra confusa, which is the Christmas box as well, and that has been magnificent scent off it. Um, uh, but I mean, there's been a lot of soft growth on a lot of the the shrubs. So really, anything that has budded out. Especially even your hydrangeas, and particularly hydrangeas, really, because I mean they have quite large um, uh, buds that come out first. And um, so, if you get a late frost, it tends to knock them off or burn them. So, with your hydrangeas, really co- cover them with a frost fleece over them. So it's like a sheet that you just drape over your hydrangeas or your camellias as well, so they're protected from any any late frost. So you don't get any any frost burn or damage on the, on the lovely um, plants that are are, are mm. in flower now at the moment. Shrubs and trees and climbers that we can be planting. Yeah, I, I like to kind of prolong the the flowering period. I mean, the the snowdrops and the daffodils are are lovely now at the moment. Really, to kind of prolong the the colour right through the spring. I I like to plant other bo- spring bulbs as well. Things like the anemones or the bluebells. Even the wild garlic is particularly good. And they're kind of rampant uh, plants. They kind of take over. They're, they're, they're quite good, uh, let's say, under a woodland area. Or if you have a kind of a large shrubbery area, uh, they're good to underplant because they're quite hardy. And then they tend to self-seed and spread themselves along because there's nothing nicer than a drift of um, uh, bluebells and, and, and the wild garlic. So you have the lovely blue and the white uh, of them um, in colour. There's a lovely kind of Spanish um, uh, gilia um, bluebell, which 
which has lovely kind of pinks and whites too, which as well, which are particularly nice as well. Or, or a thing called Fritillaria. And these are lovely bell-type flowers, the, the Fritillarias. They're, they're almost like a, a meadow flower, really. Mm. But they're fantastic, you know, under trees as well. And to give it... A, so it's nice to have a kind of display of the anemones, the, the bluebells, the wild garlic, and, and even the Fritillarias as well. There's a lovely thing called Blue Muscarii. These are lovely grape hyacinths. And they're lovely at the edge of a border. Even if you have a kind of a curbing or anything like that, you just put them down along the edge. And the muscarias, you can get them in blue or white as well. Um, and the grape hyacinths, but they can just cascade over the side of the um, uh, curb Beautiful. as well. Yeah. So it gives that, gives that lovely effect. Other plants then that are very good for, uh, let's say, for your rockery and things like that are the lovely um, alpine plants. And I love the alpine plants because... They're not like the bedding plants. You can, you, you, once you sow the alpine plants, you have them for life. Mm. They tend to grow and sell seeds, and they form a kind of a carpet colours. Things like the aubrichias and arabis, or even the Alison saxophile, or even saxifrages. These are lovely kind of almost pin cushion plants. So they kind of form a carpet, um, almost nearly three foot in diameter. Um, but you have the lovely blues, the pinks, the whites, the reds. And even the yellow, the lovely Alison Saxophile, which has that lovely yellow flower as well. Other things as well that are quite good to interplant there as well, there's something called Oxalis. And the Oxalis has that lovely uh, plum foliage on it, almost like a shamrock, actually, the, the shamrock leaf on it, which is particularly nice. But also have that lovely flower, kind of a, almost like a little bell flower that comes out in it as well. And these are easy plants to grow. You often find them um, actually on dry stone malls cascading mm. down over it. You often have this kind of massive blue or pink just uh, trailing down over, over uh, an old dry stone wall. And they're really good because I mean, they tend to self-seed in, a, in, a, in amongst the, the rocks as well and with very little soil and still they give a fantastic display. Um, so very easy plants to grow and very, very hardy as well. So things like the rockery perennials are very good. Other things then for kind of more sh- the shrubs type of things I like are the Viburnum brookwoodii. And this is a lovely, but the viburnums are very good. Um, you have the viburnum tinus, which is the lovely hedging type viburnum, which is flowering all winter long. But really to have something that's coming into flower now, uh, the brookwoodiaes are very good. Lovely, lovely scented um, flowers that come out in them. Mm-hmm. And they're coming into, into flower now, um, or right into late spring. And, and really it's lovely to have something that has great scent uh, on it. There's viburnum opulus as well, which is a lovely snowball tree. Um, or even what I like is lovely splash of gold. Uh, in amongst your borders, and use a thing called Prosythia. And Prosythia is, is, is the lovely golden flowering shrub, um, and some massive um, uh, blooms are going to come on it in the next month. So um, you'll have this massive a splash of, of yellow, and another thing called Spirea, Spirea Guta, which is uh, called the bridal wreath. wreath. And this is lovely um, uh, mount, uh, arching uh, flowers that come out in it. Um, there's a thing called Excoderia, the bride as well which is lovely arching flowers, white flowers come out of it um, in, in kind of mid to late spring as well. So really you can have lots of other uh, plants that come into flower in the next couple of weeks really mm. um, that will prolong the, the spring spring flowering plants. Other things then is a thing called as uh, sea notice, which um, so when you see you see when you see this plant you will notice it. So it's really sea notice and it has a lovely um, California lilac and has this massive blue flowers that come out in it very very lovely shrub to have either at the at the gateway of, of, of the entrance going in or even um, at the end of, end of the, the borders because this kind of draws the eye down because you have this massive blue blue mound of flowers that come out in it so the sea note is quite a, quite a nice plant to have in your garden climbers then 
a lot of things called citrus batandiri. Breedle, don't you? The honeysuckles are very good as well. And um, the citrus batandiri is the Moroccan broom, and that has lovely golden flowers out of it as well. It's beautiful silver foliage. Very unusual, really, um, for, for citrus. Mm. Uh, it, it has, has a um, very um, bright, bright silver foliage. So if you have that, the, the citrus batandiri and the sea notice together, you have the blue, the silver, and the gold together, which is really um, attractive on growing on a wall. Um, and um, because the um, sea notice is evergreen as well, it gives a good contrast to the, the citrus batandiri. It sounds good. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Um, there's lovely shrubs then, again, the larger ones, really, that you could grow. Um, don't you like you also often have the rhododendrons, the azaleas, or even the pears forest lanes. These are all the acid loving plants, but they give a, a fantastic display um, in the borders. Now, the rhododendron, um, the, the one that we don't want to grow is the rhododendron ponticum. That's the one that's quite invasive. So there are other varieties. Such a more clump forming, or, or, or they keep, keep they don't um, invade. They're quite um, uh, ideal for containers, actually, even as well, um, because they're acid loving. Azaleas then are fantastic. Lovely hot colours come from them. Yellows, oranges, and golds uh, are particularly good. Or the pears, fire flame. I like that one because the new growth that comes under that is bright red. And then you have this lovely lily of the valley white flower that comes out of it as well. Ideal for containers or for, for out in out in the borders as well. Now, you see, you were asking about trees as mm, well. Yes. I, 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 I love the trees. There's a lovely um, uh, trees at the moment in flower. Um, you often see it when you're driving around. Um, it's this lovely, um, it's a thing called a Prunus uh, Pisardia nigra. Uh, it's it's a, a purple plum. But you'll see this lovely pale pink flower um, uh, tree in, in flower now at the moment. But then in later on, then it has this lovely plum foliage that comes on right through the whole summer as well, which is particularly nice. But, um, the cherry trees are probably the nicest ones to have um, in kind of mid to, to late spring. And there's a lovely one called uh, Prunus amagalia, uh, which is the lovely double pink flowering. Um, but it's, it's a very upright, very almost like a pillar. Mm. Or Prunus, Prunus canzans, which everybody knows. It's a quite large um, uh, cherry tree, but it's almost like confetti. Um, when, the, when the flowers come off, it's almost like a confetti that, that comes off it. And it gives a great display uh, right through the mid to late spring as well. Or there's lovely ones that if you ever, ever grow it <laughs> or to have in your garden, if you have mm. a smaller garden, uh, there's a, one called uh, Cherite. And this is the tabletop cherry. But it's lovely. Um, it goes to about 12, 12, 50 foot, but almost like a flat top uh, on it, which has this almost like a, a canopy that uh, forms and double white flowers that come out in it. Very, very effective in the smaller garden, which I'm a magnificent bloomer. It really, really blooms yeah, they, uh, quite, they, quite well. They're all lovely ideas because some of us, we tend to go back to the same uh, plants and shrubs every single year. And maybe it's a, maybe this is the year when we should branch out, if you'll forgive the pun a little bit. <laughs> well, really, yeah. And because there is such a wide variety mm. of trees available, I mean, even uh, like there's a lovely, the white thorn, which would be native thorn, but, but it's, it's, there's one called. Um, uh, Paul Scarlet, which is lovely, kind of deep red, pink flowering, flowering um, uh, white one. And that's quite a hard one for exposed areas. And that will be coming into flower in the next couple mm. of weeks as well. Can I ask um, you about and, that? Because Tom was on to us about white thorn, and he's yeah. uh, he's wondering about a disease that appears to be affecting uh, white thorn at the moment. Uh, he says a report saying that imported white thorn is prone to disease. Does Alton know about that? 
Yeah, with white thorn, if you did, what's, what's happened with white thorn, you get an awful lot of mould or mildew that, 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 that uh, comes onto it. But there's also um, a fungal bacteria that will attack it. But really, with, with the Irish, Irish grown white thorn, is, is the stuff to go if you can get it. Um, you can get them in bundles of 50. They're actually a euro each um, uh, to plant. But mm-hmm. if you're planting a hedge of it, you plant about seven per metre, kind of four and three, do a double row with them. Now, they grow quite easily, the white thorn. Um, in exposed areas um, and they make a very fantastic um, stockproof fence really um, that's particularly good. Now we we sell the um, white thorn in, in Nina there in the uh, store. Yes. So it's a, the Be- in, the in Beirut Arabon, hedging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. In Arabon, mm-hmm. in, in the Be- Beirut he- hedging. Um, so it's a quite a good hardy hedge to do so. It's, it's part of the acres thing as well. So um, we have a good good variety of those in. Um, again, it's recommended, once you plant them though, it's, it's a good idea is to cut them back to about six inches uh, from the ground to make them branch out a lot better from the very, very base. Because what you don't want is a leg on the hedge, um, mm. so a bare, bare bottom. So it's very important to cut it back down low uh, to encourage it to, to branch out at the very base. And you have a much uh, thicker hedge. Now I always like white thorn, um, almost like round topped. Um, so if you can, can, can round the top mm. of, of the, the white thorn, it makes a much better effect. And as well as by doing that, there's light getting to the bottom of it, bottom of the hedge. So it's very, very full from the bottom up. Uh-huh. Um, and it makes, makes a fantastic edge. And then every so often, you can plant a Paul Scarlet in between. Just have the lovely pink and the white flowering uh, uh, white horn uh, in bloom in late spring. Yeah, lovely so they're, yeah, yeah, they're a lovely, lovely tree. Yeah, jo- other trees... Yeah, go, go on, Alton, I beg your pardon. Yeah, yeah sorry. No, there's other trees then that are really lovely as well um, to, to plant, or to think about anyway, uh, to, to have in your garden, are the malices. And these are the lovely crab apple trees. Um, I like them because I mean, the, the bees love them. They're, they're, they flower quite early and um, they're great for the bees and the birds because they, fa- they form these lovely little apples on them as well. So they're, they're very edible. Mm. So th- there's one called Malice Golden Hornet, which has this lovely golden little apple on it. Or then the John Downey, which is, uh, has the red. So they're lovely in, in, in clusters as well to, to have the contrast with those two. Or there's one called Profusion. Uh, and this, this has a mass of flowers out of it um, in, in mid-spring as well and really is a fantastic display of big plum um, uh, flowers that come out in it. So the crab apples are very good as, as pollinators as well. They're very good for, to crop. If you have an orchard, uh, it's good to have um, a crab apple in, in, in amongst the orchard as well to pollinate, to cross-pollinate your apple trees or, or even your cookers as well. Mm. And you see, because it has such an amount of flowers on it, really an abundance of them, that it pollinates most uh, other fruit trees as well, so it's particularly good. Mm-hmm. There's lovely, go- there's lovely uh, other trees as well to have in, in late summer. So I, I keep going on about trees, but that is one of my things. Mm. Uh, I, there's a lovely one called Viburnum bostii. It's lovely golden rain, um, and that has a, a, a great display of yellow, long yellow pea-like flowers. It's almost like a wisteria, but as a tree. So it has this long yellow flower, uh, pea-like flower that comes out in it and really is, is a magnificent um, flower for a small garden as well because it doesn't grow too big. Um, so about 12 to Excellent. 15 foot, but um, neat shaped. John says, I spent uh, a fortune uh, trying to stop my hostas from being eaten by slugs but without success. I even transferred into pots but no success. Wondering how you deal with this problem. 
Yeah, with hostas, uh, I, lo- I love hostas myself because the, and the growth. What, what are they? Well. Ultimate, sorry, forgive me. It, it, yeah, it, it's a long. It's a, they're herbaceous perennials, but it has a bit, uh, an oblong leaf on it. Mm. Um, you can get it in blue or or green or even variegated leaf on it. Is quite well. Uh, they're they're from China, so you you have these lovely big oval leaves that come out in it. They're, they're fantastic now in shaded areas or um, even like dappled shaded areas that, that do quite well. Ideal for containers. Because the secret with them, and and the whole thing with with hostas is slugs do love them. So mm. as soon as soon as they're starting to sprout up now, so they have these, these spear like uh, uh, leaves coming up uh, from the base. Uh, so what you want to do is protect that um, leaf from being damaged by slugs. So when 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 the leaf unfolds, that you don't have holes in the leaf. So really is what I tend to do if I have them out in a border, oatmeal. Is put a put a, 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 a line of oatmeal around the outside of the um, stool of a, where where the hosta is growing, and the, the slugs will eat the oatmeal instead wow. of the, the hosta itself. Or if you have if you have the hostas in containers, use um, a, a, a band of cop, copper, a copper band around the pot, and that will stop the slugs from climbing up onto the pot. So that's a that's quite a wow. good way to do it. They don't like the, the the feel of copper; it tends to, to give them a shock. So if you put a, you can get this band of copper that you put around the pots, and that keeps the slugs away from your hostas as well. Very and, interesting. Um, somebody else saying, will you ask Alton? Is it too early to plant gladioli uh, bulbs? Well, not at all. Um, it's, it's great to, to uh, uh, plant all your summer bulbs now as well. We have lovely um, gladioli or crocosmias, or even the dahlias as well, or even the begonias. These are great um, plants to sow. Now, with, with the gladioli, I always think, because they're quite tall, it, it's good to have them near a base of a wall or um, so that you can give them support. Um, so near near a base of a wall so that that's, the wall will give them support. And then you can have a line in front of them just to give them, or you get these herbaceous perennial um, stakes that you can um, uh, um, give them support as they're growing. Because uh, the leaves are quite tall, uh, it tends, once the weight of the flower is on it, it tends to make them drag down to the ground. So really they need support uh, when you plant them. And always plant five bulbs together to have a good display. Um, now, I like the gladioli because they have, they have a great colour right through the whole um, uh, midsummer, really. But again, they need support and shelter where you're planting because they get quite tall. Right. And just finally and briefly, uh, because we've had a few calls in about this, um, moss on the tarmac. I, I don't think yeah. I've ever come across it as bad as it is this year for some reason or other. It, it, it is. Well, it's because it has been so wet. I mean, it hasn't stopped raining really all year. Yeah. Uh, and and um, everywhere is quite saturated. Um, so, and and everywhere's gone so green as well. You know, I, there's a great product on the market. Um, it's a thing called Tipped Up Drive Clear. Now, it comes in a five litre, like a pink liquid. Um, and you use one litre to five litres of water and spray that over your tire macadam or even your concrete or your paths and that will, that will get rid of any algae or green moss that's on, on your um, tire macadam. It's, it's quite a good product to use. Um, again, so the tip-top drive clear um, is the best one to use. Alton, uh, great to have you back and thanks very much indeed for coming on with us. Thank you. Good morning to you. That is our horticulturalist, uh, Alton Nesbitt there of Arabon, and he'll be with us uh, every single week now that spring has sprung and all of that. That's it for me. Leanne produced. Ali was out and about for us on the village tour today. Stephen is on the way with the time tunnel and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Look after yourselves, won't you? Bye-bye. 
Tip today with Fran Curry. With Slattery's Garage, puck on. You can't beat experience. With over 50 years maintaining Peugeot cars and vans, we like to call ourselves the experts. Call Slattery's Garage for a free vehicle health check today. 067 24111 or slatterysgarage.ie. 